Comics Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan. And DigitalOcean. Go to digitalocean.com and use the promo code Here's the Thing, all one word like you're slurring it, and spin up your own Linux rig for free. And Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and invest in your mind while saving some money. Welcome to Linux Action Show, episode 416. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hey there, Noah. Guess what? We have a big show today. Actually, got a this little is, more hair in our face. Yeah, and a little bit more hair in my face. Uh, this is one of those episodes where uh, I'm going to be full on jelly. Uh, Noah has himself a desktop killer from System76, the Oryx Pro, and you see it right there. Oh, that's that's the bottom, which is conveniently removed for purposes of review. Noah went out with his own hard-earned money and purchased himself an Oryx Pro during Linux Fest, well, just before Linux Fest Northwest, and uh, he's going to give us his take on how it performs. A little surprise review here, and I can't wait to hear about it. Plus, in the news segment, there's tons of big things to cover, as well as some breaking news out of the Ubuntu Mate project, some big news out of of Mint, and some security news that's a little alarming. Plus, in the feedback segment, we've got a great post to call out, some emails, and a heads up about an upcoming Linux Fest. But before all of that, Noah, do you know what we got? The picks. We got the picks. Uh, and uh, my mustache is not one of them. I'm kind of pleased with the progress, but for those of you that didn't catch last week's episode to know what we're talking about you, you, and to know why I look like this. You'll have to go uh, watch last week's episode. So this week, uh, it's Starbucks that runs Linux, and I think it was this was sent in by William, but uh, I don't know if I have the name correct on there. Uh, and it's a little Linux action he saw at Starbucks. I'll uh, sort of thing that take geeks the like to see. Here I go. I love it. He's a geek there Super with his camera out, recording the screen, rebooting it, or something. Wait for the Linux, Noah. Here it comes. Boom! Oh wait, hold on. Look at that. So you can see it's a whole coffee machine, Noah. It's the it's it's an Entire coffee machine there. Okay, there's the PC BIOS uh, hardware to read out. There it goes. Loading slacks or slacks. So it's based on slacks, which is great. And there goes the Linux goodness right there booting up. How the, awesome is that? You know, the, the thing is, so a couple of things to take from this. One is these are my favorite runs Linux because, you know, it, they, they are, they're oddball and they're they're kind of off the wall in some place that you wouldn't necessarily expect Linux. And and most importantly, I think that a lot of people would, would think that it's, well, some some proprietary, you know, special OS that was written by Starbucks specifically for this. Right. You no, know, they're this just using Slacks, dude. They're just no, using Slacks. No, they're just using Linux. And then the other thing that makes this video absolutely great um, is the fact that it's 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 a large name, right? It's Starbucks. Is 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 when they come out and install these coffee makers. If you have a Starbucks coffee maker installed at your work, it's running Linux. Yeah. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> now it makes me kind of want to get one, but I don't want to actually pay for one because I would never drink out of it. But I'm not yeah. a I'm not a huge coffee guy. Are you a big coffee guy? Yes. Yes. Really? I love coffee. Yeah, really? Oh yeah. I yeah. thought I thought maybe Diet Coke was as high. Or I'm sorry, Coke was as high high uh, high uh, caffeine content as you went. Seems like you on no, coffee. No, would I don't be, do. I mean, I don't do Starbucks because I don't have, you know, a million dollars a year to, to budget on Starbucks. But, yeah, but I Noah, do, you I do on coffee seems like it would be, or is this, is that maybe, does that explain a few things? Like when you're here, I don't see you drinking coffee yeah. and you're still pretty high yeah. energy. I'm not seeing how that could get any better with I'm, more caffeine. I'm particular, I'm particular about coffee. And okay, so I, okay. I, I, unless I'm at home, I'm usually not drinking it. Yeah, but I have fine. a thermos. I take, fill it up every morning. Dude, that is full on adorable. I had no idea. Okay, well, I like it. That's, that's a good, I have a good visual of you now. Uh, you know what else is a nice visual? Freaking DigitalOcean and their interface. Go over to DigitalOcean right now and use our promo code. Here's the thing, oh, like you're slurring it. What? 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 Do you, you, do you know? Do you know how much use Jupiter? You don't. You don't know because you you were you were at home. But I was without this PC weekend, this weekend. 
the the amount of times that Rakai and I have spun up, uh, we ha- I think we spun up three of them this weekend alone, um, just to try and test things. And when I say we spun it up to test, I mean I spun it up and Rakai did all the testing. But um, it 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 fundamentally changes the way that we're able to troubleshoot things because we didn't want to touch any of the actual streams, and right. so to be able to just log into their easy to use dashboard and spin up spin in like fifteen up. seconds, yeah, different operating system set up different ways, and then using that you know init script that we learned about you know a couple weeks ago that I can just dump in and say this is what I need the droplet to do makes it super easy I uh, I, I could uh, I could go on really for the whole show about all the different uses we now have for DigitalOcean the, the real key thing I think just to take away from it instead of us going down this whole long list is maybe we'll talk about more of these in fact uh, there's actually a few we could even spin off some how-tos from, or at least a couple oh, yeah. of episodes from. Uh, but the, the really nice, flexible thing about DigitalOcean is if you use our promo code, here's the thing, you'll get a $10 credit. You can basically spin up any major distro you would want to spin up on a server. They have Two of them. And also... <laughs> What, what What do you mean by two of them? Two, two, two of them. We have done all of this test. All this stuff has been done on $5 rigs. So if oh. you get the $10 credit, you can spin up two rigs. Yeah. Uh, you know, with that, with that yeah, credit. Or, run, have, the, or run it for free for two months or mm-hmm. just do it hourly and just use the credits. Like we, like, is it just, yeah, it's really great. They run all on top of Linux. They have tier one bandwidth. They have a really fantastic interface that is the best out there. Their API is just as good. It goes along with it. They're, because the API is so good, just like all great APIs that are popular, there's a ton of open source code written around it. They have data centers all over the world in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Germany, and Toronto. Really nice, fast rigs up in the cloud, which you know the cloud really means somebody else's computer. So that better make sure it's a damn good computer that you're picking, and that's DigitalOcean. Use the promo code, here's the thing. Support this show and get a $10 credit. Thanks, DigitalOcean, for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. So much, also, so many good, so many good tutorials over there. Check them out. And uh, if you're watching us right now live, it's bouncing off several DigitalOcean droplets. Hello, mm-hmm. hi there. So tell me about Faden, which is, for those of you that are wondering, considered professional-grade screenwriting software. So Interesting, Thanks Noah. to your laptop, I actually, you actually found the app, and I actually got to be the one to play with it. But <laughs> the, a while ago, I was working on, on a project, and one of the biggest problems that I had was there are a number of things that you don't really think about when you sit down to do a film project. So, for example, I know roughly what the content is supposed to be, but... What camera angles are the camera people supposed to shoot? Is it supposed to be a tight shot? Is it supposed to be a wide shot? Is it supposed to be a close-up? And and how is the person supposed to come in and how are they supposed to act? And 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 then once you get all of those other dynamics set, then what are they supposed to say? And so Faden is essentially screenwriting software that runs on all three platforms, Mac, Windows, and Linux, and allows you to document not only what the script is, not only what, what the people are supposed to say, but what the lighting is supposed to be, what the camera shots are supposed to be, where the cameras are supposed to be, Who's supposed to be on camera at what time? Um, and I was going through it, and I just kind of went through it. The, the last project that I did, because mm. I was using just LibreOffice, it was horrible, actually. Um, and I went through and just redid what we had documented inside of that LibreOffice doc and redid that in Faden just to kind of get a feel of how it works. And it was it's incredible. And the fact that you can export out then and say, here is this person's script. So they have what they're going right. to say and the, the, the pertinent information that they yeah, need to know. It looks kind of nice is uh, once you start defining locations and people and persons, mm-hmm. it can start auto-completing that information when you're typing it out. So you start yep. typing a location out, it drops down sort of like code completion in your, in, in you know, mm-hmm. pick your favorite ID. Auto-completion, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's nice, too, when you're just trying to bang something out super quick, and it's always sort of the same various locations as well, or at least once you establish a project. So software installation-wise, was that pretty easy? How double, does it install? Well, you're going to hate this, but I double-clicked the deb, and it installed. 
and oh, then okay. I got software. So yeah. they have just direct downloads. All right, that's fine. That's yep. fine. I should probably, I would imagine, in the AUR then, too. <laughs> they also make it available for... Uh, that's Mac OS X. I'm not. I'm not familiar with yeah. Mac Mac OS X. Uh, it's, Windows. It's like, a, it's like an imitation of Linux. Windows yeah. Vista and XP, which those sound like toy names. So I don't know what those are. Uh, They're also imitations of Linux. And uh, Android. It, wow, dude, they have it for available for Android and iOS. And you can move the file from your Linux box over to your Android thing and wow. pull it up, which that's kind of legit. Super useful. Now mm-hmm. it's not free. Uh, that's worth no, it's forty nine bucks. Yeah. But first of all, they let you try it for free, and yes. I don't. I haven't actually found what the limitation is in the free thing. Mm-hmm. I almost kind of wonder if it's not a on the honor system to go back and pay for it. Yeah, they um, have. Uh, they have just a targes if you just want to download that for your Linux box. You can. Just, come on, dude. Get it. You can't, dude, because it's not. It's not. You can't. So, and then of course they have RPMs and Debs available as well. So that's nice. Fade in. It's fadeinpro.com If you just want to go grab it, oh, we'll also have a link in the show notes. And uh, very cool. No distracted writing mode. Multiple file formats, uh, which is nice. So it can export to HTML uh, or the open screenplay format. Revision mm-hmm. support. Breakdown and reports. Cloud storage, which you can set up. I guess you pick your own cloud storage. Yeah, I guess, uh, I, guess I didn't do that. You so. probably didn't uh, bother with that. No. no, I wouldn't imagine. It was called Fade In. So, we, uh, so that's our desktop app pick for you. Now we have... Our spotlight. Now, this is a spotlight we like to just shine a little love light on an open source project out there. And, well, we just couldn't be happy with one. Mostly because neither one of them is going to apply to all of you. So maybe some of you will find both of these useful. The first one, I love the name, Ghetto Skype. Ghetto Skype. You didn't get a chance to see this, did you? Because I snuck, no, it, no, I snuck it in there this morning. Yeah. So Ghetto Skype up on the uh, GitHubs is a Web Skype. Yes, it's Web Skype. But hold on. Just hold on. Hold on. Web Skype, tray icons, and notifications. All right. So here's what uh, the author has done. And I love it. It's got, it's got great attitude. Are you tired of buggy 32-bit official Skype? Then Ghetto Skype is for you. Uh, and he gives credit to the Skype unofficial client for coming up with the idea of putting a web Skype in a window. And now, uh, you're going to like this part. It's an Electron app, or uh, whatever it is. And, Love Electron uh, apps. Yep, uh, but it supports tray icon notifications with, like, turning red if you have unread messages, notifications from Skype web, which is actually getting more and more stuff, and it even supports auto-logging in using the Microsoft uh, account credentials so it doesn't have to locally store username and passwords and stuff like that. Uh, if you're on Ubuntu 16.04, you need Lib App Indicator 1 in- installed, and then this thing can uh, make notifications like Skype. So it's, you know what? Not a horrible idea. The thing runs as a 64-bit process. Uh, Microsoft has legitimately been putting some of the newest features in Skype Web, mm-hmm. and they're even kind of making the desktop version on Windows look like Skype Web. So here you go. Ghetto Skype. This is something well, you get, need. So here, here are a couple of questions. Does it support 16 by 9 video yet? Uh, you know what? We should try it. Because, that, you're, you know, the frame would, rate's a little crappy today. We could use a better picture today. We Maybe even not, dude. So that's, that's question one. And then here's question two. And I forgot question two, so I guess we'll just stick with 16 by 9 question one. Well, the, the answer would be whatever the Skype web uh, client yeah. supports. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Noah. I give so few S is about Skype that I've never been compelled to try the web version. I just really couldn't bother. So I just to me, I figured they had to split the difference. They were making a Metro version anyway, so they had to make something webby. So go put it up on the right. web. And then, hey, everybody, WebRTC is a thing now. You don't have to have Silverlight or Flash, so maybe we could do that. I mean, it seems like an obvious go-to play, but then mm. what are they bringing me that uh, uh, Jitsi isn't or something like that? However, 
time and time again, when we have tested it, when you have a really good Skype setup, like Ideal, and in our testing, it's Windows on both ends, high bandwidth, uh, mm. specific set of cameras, or HDMI capture, you can get a damn near studio-like signal with great mm. sound that so far, to, to my testing, beats every other codec out there, despite Opus or any of those things that everybody's always going to tell me about. Uh, mm. But we don't use Skype. All that said, we have elected not to use Skype because under Linux, it's a total pain in the ass. And for us, it's and not... And no, it's too dumb to install Windows. Well, it's just and it's just not worth all the effort of trying to get a Windows box to work for this show. To be honest, if you don't normally run Windows and you normally run Linux, it is a huge pain in the butt to set up Windows. There's like drivers you got to download, which feels barbaric. You got to go hunt the web for that stuff. You got to just do all this extra stuff that's just you don't have to worry about with a Linux machine. And it's, the, it's not the Windows action show, it's the Linux action show. So yeah. if, I would give this a shot if it worked really good under Linux, because in my estimation, what's the difference between using this and Hangouts? Nothing. In fact, the difference is they're probably not sending a live... Tra well, no, that's probably not true. They probably are recording. Anyways, the difference would be it's probably a better codec. In my, they're probably the same level of um, negative in the freedom dimension, the same level of all that stuff. So... To me, it's Skype or Web Hangouts. doesn't really matter. And if that's how you feel about it, you're going to use something like that. Ghetto Skype is available for you. But if that's not how you feel about it, Noah's got something that might make you a little more cultured. Don't you, Noah? So, you know, I actually, I have to thank the viewer who sent this in. So, basically, um, let's see if I can grab his name here real quick. Martin D. Well, it sounds really weird because, obviously, his last name is not B. But uh, Martin DV uh, wrote in, and he was talking about how he was online looking for open-source uh, photography tutorials. And he found a tutorial on YouTube, which we have linked in the show notes. But then from that, he actually found an entire photography course that's taught using open-source tools. Now, I have photography has been kind of a little hobby of mine, and it's, it's one I share with a couple friends. Um, and we have elected to do all of our stuff in Darktable on Linux, of course. And so the ability to have an actual five hour long tutorial to show me exactly what to do is something I was on board to sign up for right away. And the great thing is because it's cross-platform and it's DRM free means you're not locked into anything. Doesn't matter if you're running one of the inferior OSs. Oh, if, man. You're, if you're using you know one of the this pretend is lists. so cool. Since mm -hmm. it's good for beginners or experienced phot photographers, this uh, I could definitely use something like this. My photography skills are weak. Are you gonna well, it's not going to help you. I don't know if it's going to help you with photography so much. It will definitely help you with the uh, the editing yeah. and processing. Yeah, that's part fine, of it. dude. That's yeah. fine. I mean, the yeah. whole the whole thing is like what I guess what I'm saying is I I suck as a photographer. Uh, I'm a little better at video, but what I am also horrible, horrible, horrible at is then doing something with the photos afterwards. Like I yeah. dump them in a pictures yeah. folder and I just I don't touch them up. I don't do any of that. So this is great. Yeah. So looks like it's distributed using uh, VP8 and Vorbis. With a WebM mm -hmm. container, it's 1080p, mm -hmm. uh, and they also have it available as H.264 AAC with an MP4 container. You can pay via Bitcoin, PayPal, or maybe like Stripe. I don't see what that other method is. I love that it accepts Bitcoin, though. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's like nothing on, in a Bitcoin. That's great. So it's, uh, uh, what would you say, RileyBrandit.com? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how he pronounces his yeah. name, but yeah, um, we have a link to the show notes so mm -hmm. they can go check it out. Yep. It's really nice. Thanks, No, I'm going to save that one. I might just give that one a little look-see in the future. Uh, now, if you'd like to help us keep our pick site up to date, you can find it at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash lastpicks. You can check it for previous picks, and uh, it's, it's just up on GitHub, too, if you want to help us keep it up to date. It's a nice service, because one thing that's really cool about it is when you set up a new box, which I'll have to do soon. 
Uh, it's got a great list of software for you to just, oh, I'll try that, I'll try that, I'll try that. It's really nice. All right, so that's all the picks. It's time for the news. The news in this episode is brought to you by Ting.com. Everybody go to last.ting.com. That's our mobile service provider. Why? No contract, no early termination fee, and you only pay for what you use. Yeah, no contracts is sweet, right? But only paying for what you use, that's really the sweet spot. It's $6 for the line. And then just your usage on top of that. Noah, I did it. I cracked, bought- the, f- I cracked the 5X screen. No, really? Yeah. Dude. I know. I know. It's, it's, it's no good. Uh, it's no good, and I don't even know how I did it, man. I pulled that out of my pocket, and uh, it's, it's right there, in the, in the, and then it's just shattered out every, every direction, every single direction. You know, that said, though, when it's actually using it, I don't even notice it. It's only when the screen's off that I see it. So, so far, it's actually not bothering me that bad. But this, this story, the story of this phone is an interesting story. It's had several journeys, had several owners, and all along, it's been swapped out using a Ting SIM. We just pop the Ting SIM in there. If they're not activated, we have that done in seconds. It's a great process. You can do the entire thing online, and then I only pay for what I use. Uh, I'm not joking. This is amazing. So I'm always out looking for uh, Wi-Fi because I, to me, it's like a challenge. As much as I can do on Wi-Fi, that's like I'm using my phone for free. I take if I make a, if I make a call or if I send Telegram voice memos or if I do a Hangouts call over Wi-Fi, I, I feel like I'm like cheating the system, which I just just feels great because like haha, I'm not paying anything for this. So when I went to uh, I think it's Hillcrest Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just a little bit north here of the studio. Noah, not only is it just a gorgeous park, mm-hmm. Wi-Fi at the park, Wi-Fi, six megabits up, six megabits down, both directions, mm-hmm. like 25 millisecond ping at the park, dude. At the park, I had Wi-Fi. Now, now, here's the next step. The next, well, you don't do voice calls, but if you ever get into voice calls, the next step is to get you on SIP. SIP. So I know. All of your text and your phone calls are going through well, Wi-Fi. I, I, use, you have a I use Hangouts phone. calls now. I can, I do Hangout calls, but I would, I would rather do SIP. It's just nobody ever oh, hooked yeah. me up. I never got a phone. I never got information. So I just, uh, yeah, I couldn't. You actually that. have the information, but I, I, I don't think that we ever actually set it up for alcohol. They also have a great control panel and dashboards. You can manage all of this stuff. Uh, and speaking of managing your data, which is, I don't know, for me, it's, I, I enjoy it. I think it's a bit of a challenge. Uh, Kyra's here with an app pick. It's been a little while, and this one. Check this out. This is a meta app pick because this app pick was suggested by Keller CW in our community to Ting, and Kyra had a go with it and loves it. Stop letting apps take advantage of your mobile data. I'm Kyra, and this is the Ting Download. Android offers some great ways to restrict data usage on your device, but falls short when it comes to controlling which apps can and can't access the internet. That's where NetGuard comes in. This Android app can block access to the internet for each individual app on your smartphone. It's also less complicated than you might think. It only takes a minute or two to get NetGuard set up and running. The app is simple to use. A green icon means an app is allowed access, and red means access is denied. You can selectively grant internet access for cellular data and Wi-Fi separately, which gives you a bunch of different use cases for this neat app. If you've noticed a bunch of your apps using a little mobile data here and there, keep in mind that it all adds up. With NetGuard, you can easily restrict all apps from accessing your cellular data, and then decide which to enable on a case-by-case basis. Apps that have cellular data disabled won't just block background app data. 
it'll deny internet access when the app has been opened too. How? This can be great for checking your preloaded feeds on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram without connecting to the internet. Take back control of your data usage with NetGuard. It doesn't drain your battery or affect the performance of your phone whatsoever. It's also completely free and available to download on Google Play. If you like this app, like this video and subscribe to Ting. See you next time. Last.ting.com to get started. They have a great store there too. I'll mention this too. It's not just free. It's GPL. <laughs> That's a great slogan. It's not just free, friends. It's GPL, uh, which is really cool too. So, uh, pretty nice that that came from one of our own community members. It's called NetGuard, the no root firewall for Android that lets you uh, turn apps on and off on their individual basis. This is such a cool idea. I like it just for security purposes alone, Noah. So mm -hmm. start by going to last.ting.com. They've got great devices, great prices, no contract. The devices are unlocked. You can bring your own and get a credit. And you support the show by going to last.ting.com. Now, our first story was put at the very top of the news docket by request of one Mr. Noah. And I'm curious because it doesn't feel like this is something totally revolutionary, but yet I'm getting an excited vibe from you. So tell me about the, I think it's called Pyra? What's a Pyra, Noah? I was trying to figure out what you're talking about. So the uh, a couple of years ago, this is actually before I was hosting the show with you, you guys covered the open Pandora box, which was essentially a Linux-based, uh, you know, Game Boy-like yeah, device. Yeah, it was awesome. Runs Linux, right. So this is the evolution of that same company, just vastly improved version. But basically what they have done is they've taken the box and they are now marketing not just as a handheld gaming device, but as a pocket computer. And as I think everyone in the chat room and everyone that, that has watched the show is, is familiar with, I have been looking for a small portable laptop-like device for your that whole I life. can take with me. Yeah, basically that I can take with me everywhere. Now, right off the bat, I'm not 100% sold on it because it is a ARM-based processor, which means that all of the application, I have to hope for ARM ports. Like, the first that comes to mind sure. is Telegram. I'm going to guess that there's not an ARM port of Telegram, so I'm going to wind up no. using the... Now, you know, the uh, before I ask you my follow-up questions, uh, I want to play just a little bit of their overview, because I'm not totally grokking what this thing is, based on your description. Okay. So, well, they have great music already. Yeah, play that. Play that piano thing. The Pyra thingy. is an open-source miniature PC that fits into your pocket. Oh, so it's a full it's thing. It's successor to the Open mm -hmm. Pandora with a multiple times the CPU power. So when you said Open Pandora, I did picture a device that's sort of like a handheld, uh, you know, flip-up clamshell design computer. Mm -hmm. But the imagery on their website makes it look like a Raspberry Pi box. And so I was kind of confused about what this device is. See here, that to me, oh, it's closed. I see. So it sort of looks like a Game Boy. All right, sorry. Okay, this is making more sense. It runs a standard Linux distribution, which allows using it like a normal desktop. So you got your 720p display. Nice. With three USB ports and HDMI output, it's easy to connect it to a mouse, keyboard, and a full HD screen. Yeah, buddy. It doesn't only feature a backlit keyboard, but also gaming controls like a classic D-pad, analog knobs, face buttons, and four shoulder buttons. Okay, now I Using the two full SD card slots, you can currently expand it to up to one terabyte of storage. Below the replaceable battery, you'll find an additional micro SD card slot. Wow! So that could be like your main you OS drive or something. You can with GPS and LTE modem built in. Oh. All units feature Wi-Fi 2.4 and 5 gigahertz, as well as Bluetooth 4.1. Oh man, built-in LTE so, would be killer. 
so think about this now for a second. You know, we're on location shooting the switch to Linux. And one of the things that we needed to do was figure out how many people we'd switch to Linux. Yeah, man, that would be Imagine cool. being able to pop the SD card out of the camera, throw it into this device that I have in my pocket and go through and, 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 and you know, grep through video footage or, uh, you know, Google something while you're at the store because I like a physical keyboard and they don't make phones that have physical keyboards. So this is, I'm going to buy one. Um, and I, I am going into it with a couple reservations. The biggest one being that it's arm based. I'm just, I'm just waiting for it to get here. And then for me to realize all the limitations because I, I don't have a true x86 bit processor, but so uh, you, so if you do the math and you do the conversion, cause uh, they have the price in, in Euro, uh, if you do the conversion to a USD, it looks like if you got the high end version, it'd be like 725, 730 bucks plus shipping. Yeah. I stuff. probably wouldn't buy that. I'll, I'll probably go with the four gigabyte version, which I think is four something. Uh, yes. So yes, correct. Uh, what I don't, what's not clear is they, the one I quoted you is called the mobile edition, which makes me think. You'd probably want that because you want it to be mobile. Although all versions have the same technical specs, same mm -hmm. CPU, LCD, storage, uh, wireless. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, yeah, so you'd be okay going with the standard edition then. Yeah, I think basically it's more RAM and more uh, on okay. storage. Yeah, here's what you get. Here's what you get. See, this is so cool. I'm getting pretty excited. The mobile edition adds uh, 4G, 3G modems, GPS, mm -hmm. which would be amazing. Yeah. That would be amazing. If they had uh, God, God, I want one of these. Though. These would be such killer conference machines because not only would right. it just be not well, not only would it be amazing to have a Linux box that directly has LTE and the different wireless mm -hmm. and the SD mm -hmm. card readers for bringing the footage in just just to review, not to do anything mm -hmm. else with other than just review. But then right. like the little game pads and stuff, so that way when you're traveling like on the plane or in the car or in the rig, like to have something to game on too. <laughs> right. Hey, See, so it's, cool. it's interesting you say that because the the game pad I could totally do with. I could care less if that's there or not. Oh but, no, for the kids and for me, it could be a ton. Yeah. Ton of fun, yeah. But the the fact is that we it, it is it is impressive that in 2016 we've gotten to a point where you can build a full size laptop that can do all the things a laptop can do and put it into the size of something yeah. that'll fit in your pocket. So now, I, what I do you think about this? Editor Rikai with a beard here says he's more inclined to wait for the Ubuntu hardware that could you know do convergence than a pile of junk that's been put together. And yeah, he says, he says that. But so here's the here's the problem. First of all, I have known people that have, the, the one of the things that appeals to me about this company, right, is they have been around for a long time and they have a proven product. And the you know this has survived okay. past the you know when when it was back when it was the open Pandora and people bought those and they like them and now this is an iteration. There's definitely a following. I, I'll give you that. There's a there's a hardcore long term following. So, so there's that. And then the other thing is, too, is find me Ubuntu hardware that has a physical keyboard, a flip open screen, none of this, like, Bluetooth crap that is going to flop all over the, the you know place. You know the so answer to that right now, but you're so close. You could get a BQ tablet. Now, the reviews are kind of meh, but we're very close. This, to BQ be honest, I'm just playing devil's advocate. This piece of clamshell, flip-up, 720p screen, QWERTY keyboard, right. more appealing yep. to me. Uh, yeah, it looks harder. I, 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 like that it, I like that it closes up, to be honest with you. I yep. could put that in like my coat pocket when I'm traveling. That's just... Exactly. So it's called the Pyra, P-Y-R-A, not quite sure on the pronunciation, dragonbox.e.de, if you guys want to check it out yourself. Or, of course, link in the show notes as well as other info. Uh yeah, so the prices are uh, kind of all over, ranging from 500 USD up to nearly 800 USD. Oh, they have a conversion right here for some of these. Yeah, so the one you were looking at with uh, 4 gigs of RAM, you said? You mm -hmm. can get the mobile edition with 4 gigs of RAM for 456 bucks US. Yeah, see, that's probably what I'll end up doing. 
Oh man, I'm so jelly. Jeez, this is the episode where I'm going to be jelly of your hardware updates. So this is that's what I'm about. <laughs> I'm so just looking at it like, oh man, I'd love hey, that. Look at the bright side. You won't have to. You won't have to like. You you won't have to do that thing where you have to walk five feet in front of me because you don't want to be seen with the guy that carries his laptop bag in anymore. Oh, well, that's true. I, now the other thing is, uh, I'll just get you to bring it with you one of the times you visit so I can play with it for a little bit. Now yeah. I'll just find all the things I hate about it, and then I'll just keep repeating those to myself. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Hey, there's there nothing go. to hate about this next story. This is just straight up awesome. Uh, the GNOME Project's giving a shout out to Red Hat, who have donated some pretty nice servers. Uh, each server that they donated has 128 gigabytes of RAM, 48 cores, and they come with enterprise SSDs made for high throughput. They don't really say what ones those are. I'd be curious because I'm a geek, but... I'm betting they're nice. So the GNOME Project thanks Red Hat for their continued sponsorship of servers and a band with local hardware and also people who uh, are on the Red Hat payroll. <laughs> you know, this is all around a good story. Uh, you know what it doesn't help, though, is that image that your project is uh, bought out and controlled by Red Hat. Here's the bottom line. Doesn't help the, that GNOME, the GNOME project needs hardware to function. They need servers. And the fact that you have a company that is very well off and, and has by all measures achieved success, they are taking back and giving back into the community. And if and if donating servers to the GNOME project is buying them off, then good on Red Hat for buying them I off. Know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to pay, play devil's advocate because obviously there's really nothing negative to this. Uh, and GNOME is a fantastic desktop environment on many, many distros outside of Fedora and Enterprise Linux. So if they are buying them off, they don't seem to be hel- uh, hurting any of the other competition, quote-unquote, out there. I don't think Red Hat looks at the other distros as competition. Uh, so this next story, just a quick mention, because it probably affects every single Linux user out there, and even those of us who run Linux as a headless web server. ImageMagic has kind of a nasty vulnerability that uh, Mr. Alan Jude goes into great detail in last week's episode of TechSnap. But it does mean you need to update. The problem is is that it's pretty easy to gain some local access to your rig uh, just by getting your machine to do some processing of an image file. Now, I mention this specifically about the headless web servers because if you have anything that, any web software that processes as user avatars or uploads to a form or anything like that that you can attach images to, it's very likely that PHP or whatever the application is written in on the back end is calling image magic. And if it is, you are vulnerable to this exploit uh, simply by uh, malicious user uploading an image file. So it's worth, uh, it, like, they can upload the image file and it, it literally in there include the commands they want to execute as root. They can get pseudo access and then go from there. So the patches are out. It's CVE 2016-3714. And uh, whether, if you're interested in this, really, I would uh, I would tune into TechSnap this week because Alan does a great job of break, breaking it down. And that would be episode 256, uh, Insecure Socket Layer. We also talked about some new open SSL flaws and other stuff in that TechSnap episode. 265, I think is what it is, 265. So that's a good thing to know for us users out there. Also, something else that I'm just kind of tracking. that I, I don't really have a lot. I'd actually be kind of curious to hear your thoughts on this next story. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that just struck me as the un- unintended consequences of becoming an open source developer in a project that eventually gets a lot of attention by the U.S. law enforcement. And that's Tor. Um, there is a developer uh, who has been getting harassed by the FBI. Uh, I, I, Agora... Lovecraft? <laughs> I don't know how you say the name. I'm sorry. As always, she's a lead software developer for Tor, though, so she probably should know how to say it. And she worked on Tor for many years. Uh, and now she's been apparently getting approached by the FBI. And since she's been declining, her family's getting approached. There's calls. The entire article is, well, it's frankly extremely creepy. The FBI won't say what they want to talk to her about, but they just want to meet her in a nice dark room. 
uh, with no lawyers present and have a few conversations. Uh, it got weird when they started going after her family and trailing her and stalking her. Uh, what seems to be really odd about all of it, though, is the incredible amount of stress that it caused for her. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like something she never, I would think, expect as somebody who is going to become a developer on tour. I mean, sure, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an important project, but getting harassed by law enforcement. I mean, can you imagine? Could you imagine having the FBI breathe down your neck? Uh, the FBI says she's not a target when asked about it, but the way that she's being harassed. Anyways, all of it's in the article. I just wanted to bring it up just to hear your thoughts about, you know, you start working in open source. You mm-hmm. have a pretty good idea at a project like this going to be a hot-button topic, but do you really ever expect it to go this far, and is it just asking too much? Can open source sustain when you're getting heat like that? Can an important project yeah, like this sustain? I, mean, I, I, I think you get people, you know, I would imagine that, you know, she's probably somewhat this way, and I definitely am, and I know you are, is I'd gladly take the FBI harassment just to prove a point. Like, it, the, you cannot harass me enough to 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 challenge my beliefs on certain things, and th- that would be one of them. And I would guess if you're if you're, you're a major development for, you know, a, a program that is specifically offering, um, you know, anonymous access to the internet for people, I would guess that she probably feels the same way. That said, th- I mean, there are, const- there, there are, you have constitutional rights for a reason, right? Like there's, she has a right to counsel for a reason and, and they should respect that. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, is much like Torrance, I think that Tor has gotten the reputation of it's what you use when you do want to do something bad. And I, I don't like that particular stereotype. The reality is that torrenting software is a much more effective right. way to transfer yeah. software from one place to another. And so that's why distros download so much faster and just, why when I ask Q5Sys to download uh, an Antrigos installer, five hours later, we're still waiting for it because he decided to go do it through you know, the web client. I feel and, like and that's th- a sidebar thing. I don't, uh, well, I'm don't just saying it's, it's just, it is an ineffective way to tra- HTTP is a dumb way to transfer stuff. You know, it's and, interesting you say just uh, just to, to sort of bounce off what you said about Tor being used for good things. You mm-hmm. may or may not be hearing about the Panama Papers, right? now right yeah the journalists worked in secret for like eight to eleven months using tor and resources that were only available on tor so that way they could work on all of this stuff that seems like a pretty legit use of tor right there so yeah i just what if i just don't want to be tracked what if i'm just googling how to fix my refrigerator i mean (laughs) that is a perfectly legitimate reason there's no reason why i shouldn't be able to use tor and so the idea that the fbi is going to come in and 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 harangue a a developer is is ridiculous yeah i I completely agree all right no you ready to look out into the future Uh, i've never installed gnu slash linux of the linux desktop landscape uh, we have a lot of stuff. I think 4.16, we'll, we'll look back at this towards the end of the year and go, boy, we really talked about some of the big things that were coming at us down the road. So let's start with Unity. This is a nice way to put it. Uh, Unity 8 and Mir will not be default in Ubuntu 16.10, but they are the future of the Ubuntu desktop. Uh, and one of those also is Snaps. So the Snap packages uh, are going to become kind of a big thing in 16.10. Like, for example, like they will ship with Unity and Mir, Unity 8 and Mir installed, just not set as a default display manager, but they will be installed using Snaps. Uh, and work has begun on pushing uh, other packages towards Snaps for upgrades. Uh, they should be able to also purchase Snaps from the Ubuntu Snappy store through the Ubuntu Software Center uh, and like in- install major applications like LibreOffice and Firefox that will also be Snaps. And even if you do an upgrade from 16.04 to 16.10, it should upgrade those Debs to Snaps somehow. They're working on that right now. So Snaps are going to be big in 16.10. Yickety yak. Uh, Things are going to look more polished on Unity 7 front because basically nothing's happening. 
Unity 8 is going to be installed. That's where all the effort is going to go. And 7 is uh, totes on maintenance mode. So uh, they're also working on GTK and Chromium Mirror backends. So those apps work better on Mirror and might not have to use the, uh, the uh, XMirror plugin. What are you laughing about? I'm not laughing. I just, I, I'm just waiting for when we can finally go to Wayland. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the obvious choice. All right. So now, uh, one of the things a lot of people are doing, I think, uh, they're looking at what's going on with Ubuntu, and they're going, okay, that either works for me or it doesn't. And when it doesn't, a lot of them are looking at Ubuntu Mate. We've talked about Ubuntu Mate since its yep. inception yep. on Linux Unplugged and on and off on this show. And it's by the by the time it's amazing, dude. When 14.04 released, we were talking about Ubuntu Mate. And there are people in the know, people that watch our show probably knew about it. By the time 16.04 of Ubuntu launched, Ubuntu Mate is a full-on contender in the distro space, not to mention in the Ubuntu spinoff or flavor space. Right. Uh, so it's something that we've amped up our coverage of because it's so rapidly ascended in a way that makes me think there is something about that traditional desktop paradigm that's really resonating with people. And I yeah. think that's been something that's been really huge for Mint, too. I think a big part of Mint's success has been, well, guess what? That's where you get Mate or Mate and Cinnamon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, I, I think there's, there's, a, there's a message that is being communicated by the user base in their choice. Uh, so over on the Ubuntu Mate Patreon, which I am a patron of, uh, Wimpy posted a post this morning. About 12 hours ago, and I got permission to unlock it for the audience to talk about it. So I'm going to log into my Patreon account and unlock this Patreon's only post to, to, to discuss this. The title is, Ubuntu Mate 16.10 will be GTK3 only. So if you're a patron, you can go read it yourself. Uh, he writes, Dear patrons, as most of us are committed supporters of Ubuntu Mate, it's important that you get insight into significant changes before anyone else. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know if you have, do you have a Mate deployed anywhere right now, the 1610 variety? The or a 16 I'm working on right now that's broadcasting to you is okay, Ubuntu. Okay, that's for a 1404 version, so you've installed that. You would probably you would probably be willing to go to the 1610 version, though, when it comes out is kind of what I'm, I'm fishing for. You'll probably give the 1610 version a spin. Well, yeah. there's going to be a lot of changes here. Um, it's going to be built on GTK3 only. That's good news and bad news. It means that uh, with a solid 16.04 release out there today, there's going to be that available for a while. And with that behind them, they say, Wimpy goes on to write, it's time to focus on our retrospective future and not just languish in a retrospective-only project. Ubuntu Mate 16.10 is the experimental playground to start making this move towards GTK3. I have spoken with other Debian package maintainers for Mate, and they support this migration. In fact, it helps Debian as a whole who wish to depreciate some of the old libraries that Mate is built against the GTK2 requires. I've also spoken to the Mate desktop developers uh, for Fedora 25 and Slackware, and they will make the switch as well. Ubuntu Mate will be collaborating very closely with Fedora over the next six months. Ubuntu Mate will be collaborating closely with Fedora. Huh. Now, what's the bad news? Some third-party plugins and extensions for Mate haven't been migrated to GTK3, so we may have to drop some features. In the short term, while that development work is being completed, however, guess what? Ubuntu Mate donations will be used to help fund that work to ensure that everything gets ported over to 17.04. So by the time 17.04 lands, that stuff you really need should be in GTK3 on Mate. There is another big downside. And I wonder if this is going to have the long-term ramifications. The other downside is that Linux Mint 18, uh, at .x, whatever it might be, 
is not going to adopt Mate built on GTK. They will be using Mate built against GTK 2x. This is going to create a schism in the Mate world as Linux Mate, Linux Mint Mate, will not be compatible with Debian testing, Debian stretch, or Ubuntu Mate 16.10 onwards. It's going to undoubtedly create some confusion within the Mate user community who have grown accustomed to being able to share tips and tricks across versions. So it's going to be some good and some bad. But no, I wanted to bounce this fundamental theory off you. He says, our time now is to focus on a retrospective future and not language or languish, I'm sorry, not languish in a retrospective only project. In other words, mm -hmm. even though we're based on an old desktop paradigm, we got to move it mm -hmm. forward in certain areas. Right. We, we can't in all just... areas, really. I mean, so they're trying to keep the interface the same. They're trying to keep the workflow the same and everything else is slowing. I mean, at least that, that has been always been my impression of, of the Mate desktop. Here's where I see the difference. Uh, the philosophy with uh, Linux Mint Mate is mm -hmm. fork X apps, make your own apps, keep it based on GTK2, and become more and more isolated. That seems like a really short-sighted plan because GTK3 is the obvious future for GTK-based desktops. Right. Firefox 46 just came out with GTK3 integration. It's finally actually here. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where additional future development is going. That's where security fixes and research are going. That's where okay. money is going. So what is the long-term strategy for Mint so, to so stay on something based on GTK2? See, I, Disclaimer, I don't agree with anything I'm about to say, but I'm going to take the other side of it just for the purposes of discussion. There is an audience. There is a there is an argument to be made of <clears throat> let's keep everything exactly the same because this person wants to check their email and open the web browser and edit these documents and do, do all these basic things. And so let's not change absolutely anything until it's absolutely 110%. We are forced to do it. And we don't have any choice. And then sure. we'll make the absolute minimum amount of change possible. Here's the problem, and Noah. That, dig in a, dig in a that is... That is controllable and always is controllable by the end user. You could install a version of Mint today and just mm -hmm. not ever update it. That would be a horribly bad decision to make, but it is legitimately a decision any Mint user can make right now. What Clem is doing and the Mint team is taking on more technical debt. So now we have the Cinnamon yeah, project. True. Now we have mm -hmm. the Mate project. But now we're going to have, essentially, by default, because everybody else will be using something else, a fork, mm -hmm. basically, of Mate stuck to GTK2, which also means you're going to be inheriting all of the technical jet of G debt of GTK2 because you're pretty much the only people left using it now. So now you're right. maintaining GTK2. Now you're maintaining the Mate project. Now you're maintaining right. Cinnamon. All of the, what, dozen of new X apps that are going to be launched over the next couple of years, multiple mm -hmm. different spins of the distribution. Mm -hmm. It's too what much. If, no, it's if, too much. It's too much stuff. And it, it, goes from, it goes from being a good steward of a platform to taking mm -hmm. on an amount of technical debt that is, I mean, it's just un unsustainable. And this is something I've said before, but it is at a whole new level of unsustainability. When you're right. talking about an entire toolkit now, the level of insecurity you are exposed, there's just no way, there's no way their team 
can manage the security implications, let alone the integration implications, and then and then and and then actually pull off a great distribution uh, t- to boot. Like it's something right. will have to so give. What if your goal the, isn't a great distribution, though. That's my question. What if your goal is not? What if your goal is to keep everything as familiar and the same as possible? But and the problem with the problem is well, just download one version and stay on it. Is that you know I, I have friends that have done exactly that. The problem is you you run into a point where you can't where, install applications like you well, just download that, and try to like, install. Like even basic things like the latest version of you can't even get a version of Firefox that supports certain websites. And so there are there is a minimum threshold of change that has to occur. And so it becomes incumbent upon the distribution then to keep those back and only push them forward a little bit at a time, one bump at a time. And the reality is what what niche is Ubuntu or what niche is uh, Mint filling that we don't have another distribution doing other than especially this? especially with Ubuntu Mate, which I mm-hmm. think does a better job of walking the line. It keeps the Absolutely. UI retrospective, but yep. moves it forward in certain areas to keep it secure and modern. And I agree. Part of making a good platform is making mm-hmm. sure it works on people's hardware the way you expect. They're getting right. a bump with uh, Mint 18 because it's based on based on 1604. Outside of that, there's not a lot of move movement forward. Uh, right. I think Ubuntu Mate walks that line much, much, much better. Much, much better, as a matter of fact. In fact, if you I just see, look at what they've done with the welcome screen and all of that stuff in the last release, right. huge improvements while managing to keep the UI and the user paradigm exactly what you'd expect. Uh, now, where I would go with this is mm-hmm. why not focus? Why not? Why doesn't the Mint team focus? Focus on Cinnamon. Focus on just a couple of core applications, like essentially like Elementary OS does, but do it in a way that caters to your user base specifically. Cinnamon is, in my opinion, still not up to snuff. Uh, Cinnamon 3.0 just came out, and to me, in my estimation, uh, it feels like a point release. It's a 3.0 release, uh, but here's you have improvement in tiling and mapping, and I'm mapping to Windows, mm-hmm. which feels like that's been a, po- a bullet point now for the last two releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, improved touchpad support. A battery power devices can now be renamed. Panel launchers uh, now include application actions. Animation effects have been turned on by default. And so the photo again, frame desk has been what? Again, I'm asking you though, if your goal is to replicate that Windows 95, Windows 98, Windows XP style desktop, yeah. what do you want them to change? If you're if, if make the it primary not, goal make is it to not suck, things. make it not suck. I every time I install Cinnamon, I go, oh god, this is great. It's like the sweet spot between KDE and GNOME. It's just right, and then starts crashing on me. It starts giving up the mm. ghost. It's 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 unreliable, okay. and then I realize, oh, that's why they still have an option to restart the entire window manager in the menu because it still crashes all the time. It's not reliable enough. It's not good enough yet. It's close, but Cinnamon, like, where does it fit in anymore? Like, I just don't understand. It needs focus. It needs direction. It needs improvement. I think Cinnamon and I think the I think Cinnamon and I think the Linux Mint project as a whole fits in for those people that really want to stay on Windows XP and didn't want to progress past that. I with all respect to Clem, who I have watched for years and been respect, I respect and am impressed by his work. I think this leads nowhere but to eventually disappointing a massive user base. Not only are you going to end up delivering a system that is potentially fraught with insecurities, but you mm-hmm. have built so much technical debt up around this distribution that now mm-hmm. you're it's you're going to collapse under its own weight and burn out. X applications, 
are another thing they have to work on. Like that's a massive undertaking that nobody yeah. else is going to use because they're all tied to GTK2. You can right. claim they're for all distributions to use, but if they're using last last decade's toolkit, they're not for right. everyone to use. They're for you to use and for your right. users to use. They're not for the betterment well, of open I mean, source. Might, you, you might go into it with the intention of everyone to use, but nobody else will choose to, yeah. Oh, you can claim that's your intention, but that's very lofty. But the reality is it never works like that. That's always the rallying cry of the forker. Well, it's for everyone, and then only you use it. So, okay. And that's just yeah. the beginning now. Now, Mate yeah. is going to be like that. And now, and it, with new releases coming out, there's, they're, they're beginning to scale some things back. They just announced they're going to take out Codex uh, from uh, Mint 18. There won't be spins with or without Codex. It's just no Codex at all. But then they're going to make it easy to install Codex. So they're trying to scale back. But that, that is not what I am talking about here. I am talking about the massive technical debt that will build up over years. Because it's not like these are just forks that you then right. baby. These are yeah. things that have life that will grow and have right. users that need bug fixes and things added yep. and things changed. Absolutely. And, and hardware support. And it grows and grows and grows. It, it, might, it might be a big project now, but in three years it could be a massive project. And that all right. will be like that and it's all going to catch up. It seems so like a what, bad call. It seems like so focus what, is required. So what happens? What what about this idea of we get to the certain point, and if they realize that it is an untenable situation, and I suspect that you're probably right. What happens when we get to that point, and then he just, and then they say, all right, at this point, we don't have a choice because we can no longer handle maintaining GTK two. Let's move everything to GTK three. They either have to come it? up with a super super elegant migration strategy, but what I'm more worried about because what I think, and this is why, this is the core reason why it concerns me. Linux took a bit of a PR beating uh, when the whole Mint security hack happened. Because mm -hmm. for those of us that are being honest with ourselves, we know it betrays a much wider problem in the community. Users don't properly verify their downloads. Sites right. are easy to compromise. There's tons of low-hanging fruit out there. Distro maintainers are developers. They're not web admins and server, server admins. It, you, mm -hmm. What happened to the Mint project is, is probably possible to tons and tons of projects that are in open source. And anybody who's being honest, we all know that. So, rightly so, Linux sort of as a whole, took a bit of a beating PR-wise. Like, oh, yeah, look at the Linux guys. They can't even verify their ISOs, get their, can't get their WordPress, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We mm -hmm. took a bit of a beating. Could you imagine if the number one distro on DistroWatch, for whatever reason people care about that, could you imagine if that distro all of a sudden went, I'm out, it's too much. Uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something different, or I gotta, I gotta radically, I gotta radically change things. If he gets to a point where he pops and he's done because of all of this, it's gonna be a massive black eye for the desktop Linux. Like desktop Linux in in, in the average tech community often already is a joke. Oh yeah, the, what is it? The year of the Linux desktop? <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that one before. Yeah, I'm sick of hearing that, and this isn't gonna help that at all. No. That's why no, I worry but about you it. would also, you know, part of the hope would also be that, you know, because of their large user base, you would hope that there would be some other people in the community that would be able to step up and, you know, shape that yeah, project, yeah. or, or yeah. if Clem does snap. Well, who knows? I, I, I'll, I'll walk it back some because I don't. I mean, I, I respect what he's done so far, and I'm sure that one thing I, one thing I sense about Clem, out of, of all things, is uh, I really think, I really think he cares about his end user base. I really yeah. think he's trying to create something for them because he understands. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, they're they're coming up with a new uh, mint uh, mint Y or minty theme. It's a flat theme based on Arc and. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember the icon theme, but it's my favorite icon theme, so I'm drawing a blank on it, of course. So they're basically he's taking my two favorite themes, Arc and the icon theme, which is great. And I, I don't know why I'm totally blanking on it. 
Uh, Chatroom, if you if you know what it is, let me know because I should give it a shout out because I love it. Um, anyways, he's taking that and he's may, he's minting it up a little bit, or their art people or whoever, and they're gonna make it a new theme for Mint 18. But he takes like serious time in his blog post to say, but don't worry, I'm not gonna set it by the default. If I notice you guys start talking about it and you like it, and a lot of you start setting it as your default theme, then maybe for Mint 18.1 or something, we'll, we'll set it as default. But we're just going to mm-hmm. include it because we don't want to change a bunch of stuff. Like, I, I feel a respect there for his user base that is mm-hmm. legitimate and genuine and really guides his decisions. I just mm-hmm. feel like it's guiding him to a path that's eventually going to upset a lot of them. So there you go. Probably talked way too much about that. Mocha, thank you. No. <laughs> System T gets it, and so does Jim Elliott. It was Mocha. Uh, anyways, any closing thoughts before we move on? Because I've said way too much and talked for too long. No, but uh, basically I tried uh, rolling out Linux Mint in a number of different places. And uh, every one of them, the, the the one that stands out to me where I had a tech standing in my office and told me he was going to refuse to ever install Linux Mint ever again was they had a printer issue where the printer, it was it would lose the printer after a little bit, you know, JetDirect deal. And uh, he looked and there was a bug report that had been open for like three years. And basically well, the geez. summation of the bug was like, yeah, we know it's there and uh, sorry. <laughs> Everybody's like, always got something, I suppose. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. to be honest with you, that was the last time we I'm running Mint 17 on this Bonobo, yeah. so still still running that just fine. It's been our it's That's been good. our our Skype machine for a long time. Um, well, actually, I don't use it for Skype. I use it for Hangouts. Uh, okay, so tell me about Reaper Audio coming to Linux because I think you might be excited about this one, Mr. Noah. So one of the things that I have uh, I look for is I am all for using open source software when it's when it's available to me. Um, and personally, I have no interest. And in, uh, uh, people make fun of me for this, but like I have no interest. If Photoshop tomorrow came to Linux, I wouldn't use it. I'm perfectly uh-huh. happy with yeah, perfectly happy with Gink, uh, GIMP and the Ink, and, and Inkscape. I I have learned to do all of my workflow in those programs, and I I have no interest in switching to illustrator or photoshop or whatever the proprietary cool one is to use but at the same time i do recognize that there are a ton of people that get used to a specific workflow on another platform and they would consider linux as a usable platform if their software was available so reaper is a digital audio workstation software that is you know is i would guess probably a little bit more popular than ardour yeah um what I've used on Linux, and they have announced that they are bringing a beta over to Linux. They're going to bring Reaper Audio yeah, yeah. DAW over this to Linux. This is kind so, of a huge deal. Reaper Reaper.fm, if you guys want to check it out. Uh, this is this is this is one of those pieces of software that isn't just an audio editor. It's it's a full-on digital audio workstation. You can connect it right. to hardware. You can have the sliders control stuff. You get real-time levels. You can you can mm-hmm. apply effects in software, and then send it out a sound card, which I would love to do and totally get rid of my soundboard one day, even though. It sounds crazy, but I mean, really, no. I mean, this this is really exciting. If you guys are curious at all, they got videos and crap at their website uh, that I could play for you, but you could just go watch it. Uh, control grouping. Oh man, the timing of this could not be better because I'm actually working with the client right now, um, and he has an Ubuntu workstation and he is virtualizing his audio workflow, which is not ideal but it it, it well, works for you and i we reason. get a little we get a little hesitant we hesitate a little bit because we've been bit by it but if if it the, the dream of essentially taking a laptop somewhere and your entire mixer and all your effects and all of your recording are all done and mixed in real time and recorded in real time just on your laptop 
Yep. That's a dream you can't stop. You can't stop that dream, Noah. You can't stop that. And dream. so, and, and so, right. And and so, basically, though, the, the timing of this could not be better. We are working uh, with a client to do this, basically, this very thing right now. And we had resorted to virtualizing his setup, which it worked for the most part. But there are, you know, some hangups. Obviously, oh. anytime you're virtualizing something, yeah. that needs to happen in real time. Yeah. And so we, ha- I'm waiting until this gets to a point where I can seriously bring it to him and say, Hey, look at this. I really think this is something you you should consider. And I love our doer. I've used our doer for years and it's a great project the only hit i have on it is it is not terribly user intuitive and mm. i think that that's one thing that reaper is going to give you a ton of power and also be a little bit more intuitive so i'm really excited to kind of watch it i i haven't actually seen a way that i can install it in my antiquated you know linux installation but is it, is it out uh, yet is it out yet well like, they have a beta out but i i don't i can't i mean there's not a deb that i can click on our ppa hmm. so yeah that's about as far as i maybe maybe some googling would uh yeah, you're right. I don't see it either. Uh, yes. Yes, there you go. You know, uh, for as far as, just by the way, real quick, because you know we're going to comments about this. As far as running uh, Photoshop under Linux, mm-hmm. I don't know about Creative Cloud 2017 Vista Edition or whatever, but if you're good with CS2 or CS1 or, or Photoshop 7 or whatever, like anything in that mm-hmm. range, mm-hmm. it's dead easy to get working under Wine. It's super mm-hmm. crazy easy. And if you ever get stuck and need compatibility, it's a good way to go. Because what we've had in the past is we've worked with, you know, contractors who mm-hmm. deliver in Photoshop files. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay. And then it's like, can you, say, can you save me a PNG of this? And the downside to that is then I just get the final result and they don't, have, they don't really understand how to work with other formats. So it's pretty handy from does, time to does time. Does Photoshop allow you to export in like a vector graphic? Yeah, I think so, but I don't think they have any oh. idea. I think what I think it's like a I, th- I think what it is is I think it's like a Adobe Illustrator.ai file or some crap like that. Gotcha. I, I don't have any interest. Now that's where I draw the line, Noah. <laughs> see, see, now we're not getting into that. <laughs> that's yeah. that's that. Well, no, I just I it just it, when I, when we worked with designers, I've done the same thing. I've just told them I, I demand I yeah. won't work with you unless you give me a vector graphic so I can open an Inkscape. Uh, Idram points out, by the way, if you're having trouble installing Reaper, uh, it is in the uh, AUR. It is in the AUR. Quiet. All right, that's all the news for this week. All right, get your bibs out, because I think we're all about to drool over Noah's new rig. I don't know yet. I haven't heard the details, but I've got lots of questions before we get there. If you're ready to take your skill sets up to the next level, check out Linux Academy, and please visit our special landing page, linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. I went over to the Unplugged program, and I punched Wes in the face, and I stole his discount and brought it over to last because it's super good, and it's a great fit for the Linux Action Show audience. Linux Academy is a platform built by Linux enthusiasts for Linux enthusiasts. They have a bunch of self-paced courses, 2,379 as of right now, scenario-based labs, and instructor mentoring. These scenario-based labs are awesome because they put you right smack dab in the middle of like a task you're going to run to in the real world, and then you actually get experience with it. What, 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 what an idea. When you're learning how to do this stuff, actually walking away with experience. They've got great courseware on Red Hat, Python, PHP, Ruby. The Amazon Web Services are particularly tricky. It's a whole breed of its own of technology. I don't know. You ever actually try dabbing into the Amazon AWS stuff? No, it's... It's its own I, weird it's beast. It's funny. So I, I think I uh, so I did it both without <clears throat> Linux Academy and drove myself up the freaking wall simply trying to log into the the machine because they require an SSH key and at the, it's a long story. But then <laughs> after that, I did it, no, it really it really is. It's something else. And then I did it with uh, Linux Academy, and that's actually how I actually got real experience because before yeah. I couldn't even. Yeah, they'll spin up virtual machines for you when they need them. They've got seven plus distros you choose from. The courseware and the distro virtual machines automatically match. That'll give you an SSH login. Uh, Android 
Android development. They've got courseware on that. Of course, all of the stuff built around Linux. What makes Linux awesome? Stuff from like the beginners to really expertise stuff. Uh, check out their blog too. They're always shouting out like good updates and stuff like that that you might be curious about. I noticed they mentioned their Android app is. Uh, in uh, late beta now, and they say the Android app for Linux Academy should be released by the end of the month. iOS app has gotten some updates recently. They've gotten some people that have successfully gotten jobs, uh, some people, a lot of people passing AWS courseware, and of course the Linux courseware too. And I see some members from the community in there. That's awesome. So go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged to support this show and get the discount. All right, Noah. So... With your own hard-earned money up fully, I'm just going to disclaim right now at the top of the show, System76 will be sponsoring the next segment. As far as they had no idea we were about to do this review, Noah bought this with his own hard-earned money. In fact, Noah's crazy. He bought it before he left for Linux Fest Northwest. It got mm-hmm. delivered while he was here. That is torturous. I, you know what? I, I would have paid Emma to bring it with her, dude. I like. I would have. I, I actually asked her. I actually asked her. I said, if I, I after I ordered, it, I asked you yeah, sent her Telegram yeah. and I said, hey, any chance you could bring it to Linux? And, and she's but, like, no, but, I got my own stuff, dude. Well, it, it doesn't. It, the way they're shipping thing, it doesn't yeah. work out that way. But, so, so basically, you, you. My point was, is there must have been some anticipation on your part because you've been waiting for this thing. So I'm curious yeah, to hear as about it turns your impressions. Out, a laptop at Linux Fest Northwest would have been really helpful in hindsight, yeah. being 2020. Yeah, yeah. So, but, so, so this is the well. Don't put it there. No, <clears throat> this is the Oryx Pro. And so you had a chance actually to play with this before it was actually a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I got the. I I got to use the. Uh, I, I decided to be that guy, and I tried to travel to System76 uh, last year without a laptop. Uh, you made it up until the last day. I did. And then Carl uh, was very nice to let me use the Oryx Pro to prep that week's episode of last. So I took it to bed with me, literally worked on it all night in bed. And uh, I, I definitely made some first impressions. And my first impressions were there's not much area for improvement if you're willing to buy a certain category of laptop. Exactly. Uh, I'm really interested in your take because those of you who don't know, Noah's a 13-inch laptop guy, and uh, he doesn't feel like laptops should be much bigger than that, and this Mm -hmm. laptop is definitely bigger than that. In fact, uh, if I recall, you can get it uh, in 15 or 17-inch screens, 1080p matte display, uh, 64 gigabytes of RAM if you want, uh, and NVIDIA GeForce GPUs. It's got aluminum construction. This is a big machine, though. Did you get the 15 or 17? This is the 15-inch model. It does have the IPS display in it, and the aluminum construction right off the bat feels amazing. But again, pulling it out of the box, it traveling on an airplane, traveling inside of a train, working inside, like, do you know how many times I pull up to a client location and do one of these numbers on my knee with my laptop right before I, I go in? time. You know, and so a 15-inch laptop, you know, it seems like two inches isn't that big of a deal. It, it makes a huge difference. Setting it on top of counters, working on top of your lap is the 15-inch just kind of kills that for me. So but this has got to be one of the, the this has got to be one of the thinnest 15-inch laptops out there. For those of you that want a, pers- a perspective that are just listening, mm-hmm. uh, it's slightly thicker than the height of an Ethernet port. It has a gigabit Ethernet port, and it's yeah. only a little bit taller than that. And what what seems to be sticking out are the keys. The keys are what seem to make it taller than the than the Ethernet port. So it's pretty right. yeah. thin for a yeah, machine the like this. Jack actually is the thickest part of the computer. In fact, they bezel, they cut out the the Ethernet jack actually hangs out past the bottom of the uh, of the frame of the computer. That, it, that, what, that is how thin it is. Yeah. So, so it, my point is, it's pretty thin. So you're complaining about a pretty thin machine. So it's not the thinness that bothers me. It's the it's the it is the the real estate, the lap real sure, estate, yeah. or the desk real estate that it takes up. But the as far as how thick it is or how weighted it, how heavy it is, it's actually it's a very light, very thin laptop. 
job. I can easily grab it with one hand, pull it out, carry it around with me without you know my hand getting fatigued. That's perfectly fine. Um, but the reason I am pseudo willing to make that compromise and why I think a lot of other people might be willing to as well is because you know when I was at Linux Fest Northwest, it seemed like every other night I had to edit video. And my choices of doing that were my ThinkPad, which had integrated video, the Librem, which had integrated video, or the XPS, which had integrated video, or a desktop that I repurposed that had integrated video. <laughs> but all of those yeah. are really hard to do if, fact, you're, if you're trying to render video. And so, and like you saw, Ham Radio was even having issues with the effects, his his crossfade and stuff. All of that was having a hard time rendering inside of the preview window because again, he doesn't have a dedicated graphics right, card. Right, and right. So, right. And in fact, he's working with a uh, he's working with an Iris uh, like fifty two hundred or something. So it's a pretty high end Intel video card. And right. uh, we we eventually ended up moving him over to like a four year five year old no a two thousand it was a two thousand and nine desktop. Build mm-hmm. that had which works much better that at least than, had a dedicated than, GPU. than any of the brand new laptops that we had that were running Intel stuff. You know, so, so this one has of the a dedicated that, and it's like a large dedicated. It's like a full on GeForce GTX GPU. Like it's right. It's like a right. So right. And so for for actual video editing and production applications, it's great. Now, the other thing that's great about that is at the back of the computer, you can see there's actually the power jack and the – there's another USB. It's a little hard to see because I had the the case off. But the power jack and there's a a USB 3.0 jack at the back. And so when you're – if you can imagine yourself sitting down at self, for example, right, and I need to connect this laptop – into the, the the into the production rig so that I have HDMI capture and I have audio capture and and also it needs to be powered 100 percent of the time. Those two things are, are some of the most important jacks that need to be connected. Now they're at the back, they're at the rear of the computer, so I can have it connected and I don't notice necessarily that my workstation, mobile workstation, which is really kind of what this is, um, is tethered to something. Additionally, on the sides of the computer, I have three display jacks. I have HDMI and I have uh, two display ports. Um, and so my suspicion is, and I haven't actually tried this, but uh, my suspicion is wait I can actually run four displays. Yeah, I was going to say, because you have the built-in display, two right. display ports, HDMI. Is there VGA on it too? No. no. Okay. It's But I mean... You know, it's just 2016. Yeah. So the but to to be able to drive four displays, and again, I can't say that definitively because I haven't tried it, but I would assume it works. To be able to drive four displays from my laptop is unbelievable. And here you're seeing the inside. Obviously, I am right now. The hard drive bay is actually empty. The 2.5 inch hard drive bay is empty, and I'm just using the PCI drive. So I have a 500 gig uh, PCI drive in there, and I will probably add a one terabyte Samsung 850 Pro. Uh, 2.5 inch hard disk in addition to the I, it, it comes with 16 gigs of RAM I believe it tops out at 64, 64 gigs yeah, yeah. yeah 64 so uh, you know it, it, it's a laptop that's going to live for a long time is it going to be the laptop I take everywhere I go probably not because it's again it's a little on the big side but is it going to be the laptop that I use anytime I, I need uncompromising power basically the power of a desktop in a foldable package 100% of the time so uh, if you could only buy one computer though Let's say you don't do IT consulting for a living and can have right. a travel laptop and a work laptop and a work laptop that you travel with, etc. Yeah. Um, would this be up for the task? So here's yes. just 6th gen Intel Core i7 up to 3 gigahertz, 15-inch uh, or 17-inch screen like we mentioned, GTX mm-hmm. 970M or 980M, 64 mm-hmm. gigabytes of RAM, two M.2 SSD slots, two 2.5 7-millimeter uh, dri- drives, up mm-hmm. to five terabytes total of storage. Uh, it's got USB 3, four ports. Wow. Multi-touch trackpad, gigabit Ethernet, um, 
seems like a pretty nice rig. I not, I'll ask about battery life and stuff in a moment, but if this is mm-hmm. the only computer I could buy, would this do it for me, for a person like me? Uh, yeah, 100%. If, if I wasn't going to have a dedicated laptop, dedicated desktop, and like you said, I have different computers for various tasks. Mm-hmm. If I had to get that all down into one machine, this is the best computer I think system best laptop system 76 has ever made. Hmm. I, I, and I've owned a couple of them. I, I have, you know, I've, I, the, my dad is using the, the Galago. I also have the, uh, up until recently I had the Lemur that's gotten repurposed mm. now. Um, but this is the build quality okay. is better. The feel of it, you know, and, and little things that a lot of people, you know, don't really notice off the bat, you know, every laptop these days is coming with those godforsaken click pads, right? And, and Apple fanboys, they rave about them. Oh, it's the glass trackpad is so amazing. I hate those things. I hate the fact that it's all one thing and I can't, it just, it drives me nuts. This actually has separate buttons for, for clicking. And so, and because my, because the trackpad is a little off centered from the actual laptop, it's centered around the keyboard. What ends up happening is I throw my, my hand down in the center of the laptop and my thumb will sometimes accidentally inadvertently click the right click with this one, at least because I have physical buttons, I can begin to kind of feel the texture of those two different buttons and move over to, to the left button. Um, and so, you know, if you're just trying to get work done, I think this kind of trackpad works a lot better. It may not be as pretty, but then again, a lot of the people that are using trackpads or clickpads, I mean, are using external mice. So what does that tell you? So I am going through and pricing one out right now just to see what mm-hmm. my, and I'm not going crazy. Boy, look at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it wants to know the OS drive, and then it wants to know the additional M.2 drive. Then it wants to know about the first two and a half drive. Then it wants to know about the second two and a half inch drive. Right. But <laughs> The fact that you can, but the oh, fact no, that I'm you can all about it. build all this for you, though, you know, the number one thing I find limitating in laptops is single disk I/O, uh, because I'm a maniac that runs SyncThing and Dropbox and BitTorrent Sync. 24-7, right? I've got those things constantly searching the disk and syncing. Then on mm-hmm. top of that, all the other applications I'm working on, I, then I've got Steam and I've got updates I'm doing. I, if, if I have a machine that I'm using as like my editing system, I like mm-hmm. to have a scratch drive, a cheap SSD that's not super huge, but big enough to hold my Dropbox, my sync thing, my BitTorrent sync, its mm-hmm. own disk. That way, it's not thrashing my main drive. I like to have my home drive on its own disk, if possible, my home par- my home partition on its own disk. And right. uh, I'll often put like my Steam on the same one I'm putting Dropbox on. So I'll use two or three drives for sure. And they don't have to be super big. Like in my config here, what I've done is my first OS drive is an M.2 uh, uh-huh. SSD, and I did 250 gigs. You know, I figured big enough to install my OS and all my applications. I could right. go PCIEM if I wanted to, uh, but that's that ups the price by 136 bucks. I'm not going to do an additional M dot drive to save money, but for my first two and a half inch drive, I could go a terabyte. <clears throat> I could go a terabyte, or what I could do is I could go up just 50 bucks more. I'll do a 250 gigs, 50 gigs solid state here. And I'll do a 500, let's see, two, yeah, okay, all right. So two 250s, so 250s across the board, 250, 250, 250. So I've got three 250 gig drives. Uh, I'm going to do the one-year warranty, normal assembly. So if my, my Oryx, uh, fully specced out for, like, my production use with Ubuntu mm-hmm. 16.04 pre-installed, a 15.6-inch screen IPS, mm-hmm. the GTX 970, I didn't upgrade to the 980 because I don't think I need the 980. <clears throat> 3.5 gigahertz i7, uh, eight threads. This is the other thing is it's not the two core crap. So there's that's really nice. 32 gigabytes of RAM. I went for the slightly more expensive option where it's only two sticks. So that way I could upgrade later. 
instead of going right. with the uh, four stick option, which would be eighty bucks left. Like I mm-hmm. mentioned, three two hundred fifty gig drives, one that's M dot, and the other two that are standard SATA. Mm-hmm. And my total config is two thousand two hundred and forty four dollars. Yeah, and so I and I, I just looked. Uh, mine was seventeen eighty four, and you know the nice thing about System seventy six is. They are completely cool with you saving money. So I ordered the M.2, but I could get the 2.5-inch drive cheaper. And because they make all of, all of their laptops, everything they sell is 100% user serviceable. So if yeah, you, well, I should true. say 100%. All of the stuff that you need to change is 100% user serviceable. So if I bought it with just – hold on. Okay, hold on. So if I reconfigure it – yeah, that's a lot more reasonable. If I configure it with just the OS drive and then say I bought the right. other two drives on Newegg, which would be a lot cheaper, it drops right. it down to 1900 bucks. And, and, you know, I, I talked to, I think it was, I talked to Ian about that. And he says, listen, everything in the laptop, every laptop we sell, you yeah. take the bottom cover off and yeah. you can change all that stuff out yourself. That's true. So, you know, that, you know, and so, I mean, if you want, if you don't have the time, because maybe you run a, 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 you know, a production network and you don't have the time to order a drive separately and install it yourself and do all that stuff, you can tell them what OS you want. Sorry, Chris, they don't have Antrios, but uh, you can tell them exactly what the operating system you want, 1604 or 1404. I actually opted to go with 1404 what I, I know but i've had so many problems with 1604 and honestly really the decision was made before i even knew about the problems with 1604 but i cannot use 1604 as a daily driver yet it is okay. there are so many problems okay that just the the wi-fi alone is about i'm ready to rip my hair out i would think there's something wrong with your xps had i not seen this on other versions of 1604 about every third time it comes out of standby it just doesn't connect to wi-fi right and it just sits there yeah like empty and then i click on the network icon none of the network show up yep yep i ran into that too (laughs) yeah that's super frustrating so here i was about to give you a really hard time though because i thought you received this thing with 1604 and then re re re-wiped it to 1404 that's not the case you're telling me it arrived with 1404 well Yes, but I did try 1604, realized that it was a nightmare, and then went back to 1404. I don't understand why you didn't just go to Anagross. Like, yeah. like here's what I, here's why I say that because I feel like you you by trial by fire here in the studio, you literally yeah. went from Ubuntu all the way all the time guy to yeah, yeah I'm just gonna leave and I'm just gonna use Anagross, and then you but then you got home and instead of going with Anagross, you went with Ubuntu 1404. I feel like I feel because like you ran much, back to your warm like blanket. You. Because much like you, much like you, I don't have at least with. So here's the thing: I have 1404. So basically, the metric is whatever other thing I'm going to go to. Yeah. Will it take me less time right, than it would right. to get? Because there's nothing that doesn't work in 1404, and technically, it's a supported distro for the next three years. Sure, so sure. I hate to tell you this, but there is a very real possibility for the next three years I'm going to be using 1404. Oh my gosh, you're crazy! <laughs> like the only and see people watching live know that Noah, if you notice, his frame rate's a little bad. We were going to try switching <laughs> software, and he literally can't even get the software to run on 1404 because it's so old. Right. And I, I, well, we I don't res- know that's why. We don't know. I, that's well, why. yes, you do. And I respect that. Okay. I respect that people have uses like. Like we've deployed 1404 systems recently. Okay, so there's uses for it. I will grant you that. But legitimately, day by day, my yeah. case is made for me that yeah. those old LTS releases are too much of a fork. They are a snapshot yeah. in time, and the Linux and open source ecosystem is constantly moving. And when you run on one of these old releases as your desktop, and you want to try out something like Ghetto Skype, you end up getting left behind. And it makes Linux feel like it did in the 90s. That's my point, yeah. and that's why I was just surprised that you went back to 1404, but I do kind well, of understand. Well, I needed things like Lightworks and TeamViewer it's and fine. all those no, things. fine. No, I won't judge. I understand. <laughs> uh, so the Oryx Pro, I'm guessing, is a keeper. You'd send it back if you didn't like it, right? 
No, I, here's the thing. The, the, the difference is, and again, I, I don't know how much more clear that we can make this is that th- what I'm about to say and the decisions that I have made and the way that I've spent this money would happen regardless of System 76 sponsorship of this show, right? That it really has nothing to do with it. But all that said, I knew before I ordered the machine, while the machine was in transit, and once it got here, that it was going to be a keeper because it was made by them. And I knew that I wasn't going to have a problem running Linux. And to that point, one of my employees came to me and he said, listen, you pay. we buy laptops for them every two years. If they want a new laptop, then we, we fund that. And he, he said, you have a, you know, this is the budget that you set aside for a new laptop for us to buy. Could I buy something? Uh, could I buy a different laptop if, if if I subsidize the rest of the cost? And he wanted this like insanely huge, like basically need a cart to move it around. Asus Gaming Republica Gamers mm-hmm, laptop mm-hmm, thing. Yep. And I said, yeah, sure. So okay. So he gets it, and we spent. And I'm not kidding, Chris. Like five hours trying to get Linux to run on the stupid thing because it it's Skylake, and so weird things happen. Like the 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 click buttons, the mouse. Um, uh, even though they're physical buttons, they just don't register in Linux. Like for some reason, it just doesn't work. And best I can tell, a lot of the same hardware that is in that laptop is in this laptop. And yet this one doesn't have any of those problems. I literally installed Linux, three different versions of Linux I went between in the last week. And all of them have worked flawlessly. I've, I've used Fedora, I've used Ubuntu 14.04, and I've used 16.04. And all of them work right out of the box with no tweaking whatsoever. Here were my first impressions when I used it. Uh, it is a... It is a evolution and refinement over the Bonobo. It's everything yeah. I liked about the Bonobo in terms of raw desktop power, uh, but in a thinner, lighter, slightly more sturdier built construction. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some issues with the placement of the numpad and things like that, but the keyboard overall felt pretty good how, for how, me. How so? How so? Just just the way it lined. I think the way it lined uh, the way it lined up with the trackpad, if I recall. But I'm, this is based on my my memory, so. Yeah. It's a little fuzzy. The, the reason I ask is because I am highly sensitive actually, to that. Actually, you know what? I'm, like, of I'm thinking of the. I'm actually thinking of my Bonobo. <laughs> because, well, I was going to say yeah. I'm usually highly sensitive to that because I like the trackpad to be right in the center of the computer, not necessarily lined up with the keyboard. And if I could, I would get rid of the number pad. And this particular laptop, I have noticed far less, uh, you know, inadvertent clicks. So uh, right oh, clicks than left clicks. Hold that guy up there. One. Show so. me the show me the battery there. No, how show me that if you could. Yeah, How's so, the battery like? Okay, that it no. That so that's one thing, right? When you have a mobile uh, workstation, yeah. you're basically counting on the fact that you didn't even see the battery, did you? It's right there at the bottom. I can't see the it's camera. Not very, it's like it one of the. It's not the smallest, but it's only like twice the size of like a two and a half inch drive. It's not very big. Basically, the way I look at this is the workstation, the battery is there to get my workstation in a running form from one stationary location to the next. It yeah. is not an on the go yeah. laptop. It is a mobile powerhouse that. I can move from place to place, and if I don't want to shut it down, I, that's what the battery's for. If I need to pull it out, look something up at a restaurant or something like that. But I'm getting two hours, three hours out of the battery, maybe ish, and that's probably that's not being too bad. I mean, for that kind of machine. For what you're uh, getting, no, it's not because I, yeah, exactly, um, and right. I, and that is not just browsing the internet, right? That's that's using things like Lightworks and 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 rendering video out and stuff like that. Um, but as far as the chat room's asking, if is it quiet? Is it on right now? Oh yeah. Oh. Can't see if it's on, but no, oh, I do. Oh, yeah, the screen is lit up. You're right. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we don't hear it at all. You're holding it right up to the mic. So I mean, I mean, and I could, you know, to maybe just maybe this is a little too much, but if I. Wow, that's that's right above the fan. That's you know? with the case off, holding the fans above the microphone. 
Yeah. That is that is that is damn impressive. So it's insanely quiet. Like yeah. you would not you would yeah, not know that. That was my okay. So I have two final questions for you. Uh, first question is: Did you try the fingerprint reader? Chatter wants to know if the fingerprint reader works. Did you give that a go? System seventy six makes it a point to never advertise their fingerprint readers because it doesn't meet their standard of quality. I I never really cared about fingerprint readers before I heard that, but then after they said that, I was like, well, how bad is it? So <laughs> I went and installed. The, you have to install a separate package to use it. It works flawlessly for me. I can log in every time. I tried having other people log in to see if it, you know, if it if it's just kind of a joke. Doesn't let them log in even if they try it a thousand times. So it so it, how does it work? It, it becomes like a PAM module or something, and it and it like essentially authenticates your user as. I, I don't know how it's working the back end. You install a package, then you go into user user accounts, click on my user, and click enroll fingerprints. No way. Is that yeah. easy? Yeah. That's mm -hmm. slick. Yeah, just a separate package. So you're and then logging you into like, it with the fingerprint reader right now? A couple of times. The thing is, like, you draw your finger across the... Yeah, it's the, old. It's the old style, swipey so, style. Well, and so the thing about that is, is I type it, you know, 90 to 110 words a minute. Like, I can bang out my password in about a half a second. Yeah, that's true. I can line my finger and drag it across that fingerprint reader in about three. Yeah, so, that's a good point. That That is a not, good point. I don't know if there's a real practical reason to have it, but if, if you're the kind of person that likes to be amused by it, logging into your computer with a fingerprint reader, then... Knock yourself out. Okay. And then here's the point. The point is that the hardware works as it's intended and it works flawlessly as far as I can tell with Ubuntu. I'm sure if I put somebody like yourself that's more detail oriented, you could find something that, you know, doesn't work. All right. My it. final question. Uh, what mm -hmm. was your impressions of the keyboard? That was one of the things they're going to be tweaking. And I thought it was actually yeah. in pretty good shape. Now, if I, if I recall it, these have a, a very, very, very slight concave, not as dramatic as the new ThinkPads, but still a bit that. Is that right? And how does that feel? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, the way I would describe it is when my fingers move up and down, the key moves with my finger up and down. And that's very different. Like, I'm trying to think of the worst example I can think of is like the cheap, like Dell or, or Lenovo ones that come with the computer. Like, they're just spongy when you click on them. This has a super nice snap. So if you're a person that really likes a mechanical keyboard, it's not mechanical per se. Um, you know, it, it's still it's still a membrane, but it but. The, the keys are incredibly responsive, so they bounce right back with you. And the other thing is, too, is it's not this chiclet crap. It's There's not this awkward space in between keys, which, if again, when you start touch typing very quickly, those chiclet keyboards, they a lot of times your fingers will slide off the key or, 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 or miss it a little bit. These are all connected. It's it's a full traditional keyboard. One of the best keyboards I've ever typed on. Yeah. And hmm. it's really, 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 really. It reminds really? Here's what it does. It reminds me of the old ThinkPad uh, keyboards, like the old, the, the and I'm, I don't mean like old as in like four or five years. I mean like old, old, like we're like talking about like, ThinkPads uh, with the light up in the thing. and Right, right. And and and, and those kind of like if you like the 755s or, or the or the or the 560Es, the, those kind of keyboards, that's what this reminds me of. And wow, I, that's it a is, huge a statement because you have you always have been carrying around a ThinkPad for years and years and years. Yep. That's yeah, a huge it, statement. Wow. Yeah, no, this is... This, oh. this the other thing is, I like I, about again, it is full-size shift keys, full-size space bar, full-size arrow keys, uh, mm -hmm. and only the FN button only on the one side, which I hate it when the FN button's on both sides. It is, uh, it is hands down, I cannot say this enough, the best laptop I have ever used by System76. You're making me so jelly. Is, I think what it is, is it is everything you didn't like about the Bonobo combined with everything you didn't like about the Apollo from the standpoint of what it was supposed to be, you know, a super thin... You mean the Libram? Uh, so System76, call me, take Bitcoin. I want one. Jeez yeah. Louise, that is so amazing. Uh, Ed, so uh, just a side story is the drive in my current laptop 
died this weekend. I don't know if it's the drive or the or the slot. And so this just stings like at an extra level right now. No, it just stings. Yeah, yeah. The timing was a little rough. Uh, and so uh, you're okay. So I guess you're giving it a thumbs up. And uh, I really hope next time you come out, you bring it with you, so that way I can the, drool over it. Oh, oh only, I gotta ask you though. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I said only two questions, but I lied. Yeah. How big's the power supply? Because for my yeah, I, was, I was just gonna say, I, I, I don't even know if I brought it with me. Yeah. The the uh, the the one thing I don't like about the computer, and this is a solid like I actually don't like it, is the power. I can't believe I didn't bring it. The power supply is ginormous. It's about yeah. it's about this big. Yeah, and it's about that it's, wide. Uh, it's a hundred and eighty watt unit. It's a hundred and eighty watt unit, and. Uh, it's yeah. rough. Yeah. <laughs> Carrying that, like, well, because here's the thing. I had this bright idea that uh, this summer I was going to become more ex- exercise conscious. So I bought myself a bike and I got myself, we, we've got brand new backpacks that are like, you know, breathe well and all that good stuff so that I could take it with me on service calls. And then I went and did service calls this week on a bicycle with that brick hanging. It's like 80 degrees here, 85 degrees here. It just about killed me. The, the power supply weighs almost as much as the laptop. Seriously. Yeah. I, bad. I, I brought the Bonobo, uh, my original Bonobo to clients for like a year. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I definitely, I definitely know what you mean. And the thing is, is what I, and this is probably what you'll end up doing is uh, I just called up system 76 and I said, can I buy two more? And I put one here at the desk, one at my other desk. And, and, I, and I had one at home uh, and I, I, or in my bag, wherever I'd be at. So that made a lot easier. Like if I was, if I'm, if I'm getting out at, at work or going to my desk, I just had a power supply that I could plug into and I wouldn't have to, yeah, was, you know, they actually put the sticker on the bottom here that tells me 19 volts. Nine amps. So you can nine just go amps? on Amazon. Huh? Nine, nine amps. amps. Now, but what yeah. about the plug? Is the plug going to be the same? Yeah. Well, so basically, you go on uh, on Amazon. Yeah, you have to measure the plug. But you go on Amazon and you just type in uh, nineteen volts, uh, nine amps, and then you give it. You know, it's like five, I think it's five point two three millimeters or something. You think they'd make you, a smaller and, one or? Uh, they might, yeah, a smaller. Uh, but but basically, I just ordered three of them from Amazon. They were prime Are available. Are you serious? So. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the plug looks like it's compatible. Yeah, I mean, it's not here yet, so I guess I'll okay, tell you yeah. on Monday when it gets well, here. So but basically, same line of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Very so good. I'm just going to get a couple of them and, and throw them different places. But that is a major, major, major knock on if you play. Just don't buy this thinking you're going to take it a lot of places. It's really meant to, if you're, it's somebody like Rakai. He needs to come downstairs and work on something for a little bit. So he needs a little bit of portability, but primarily he's in one. Or, or if you're the kind of person that just goes from home to the office, like you, if you, this would be a great laptop for you coming oh, into the studio, shut sit up, down, dude. do your stuff. Go up to your office, work for a little bit, and then finally take it home for the night. That kind of stuff is going to work great. You bastard! Uh, and I'll, you know, you, you, I actually disagree with you quite a bit. Um, I actually think everybody could use more power in their computers, and I think uh-huh. uh, those of you out there who don't have the pleasures of a dedicated GPU. Um, it's not just about games. It's it's about workloads that can be accelerated via GPU. It's about your desktop interface being accelerated. Yeah. There is a cost, so you have to be willing to make that consideration. You should tell them that. You should tell them your reaction when we when we put a dedicated GPU in your yeah. In your so machine. Uh, that's actually a great point, Noah. Uh, this computer right here that uh, is like showing you uh, web pages and whatnot runs GNOME three. Has for a long time. It sometimes ran you know, you know Plasma five or something like that. Uh, but we recently uh, upgraded it from an Intel integrated graphics to a dedicated dedicated NVIDIA graphics, and both Noah and I, just standing here, immediately noticed an improved frame rate in the way the windows open up, the way the animations of the UI, everything just looks smoother. And it was, uh, we were, in this case, going from uh, a Skylake Iris graphics. So it's not like Mm -hmm. it's low-end Intel graphics. 
it is it genuinely honestly makes a difference and if you're someone also who can see the difference in having different disks for different workloads or having scratch drives or having your home drive off on its home partition off on its own drive that kind of stuff if you find value in that and i think there's a lot of people that check that box it's so it's 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 for a lot of people like it's not just for a few folks it's a powerful computer that's i think it has broad you know, appeal I, I and didn't I, mean that, that there was a limited audience for it i i, I just it, it just i ha, i am so far on i have been so far on one side of the yeah. mobile spectrum of yeah. my computer needs to go absolutely everywhere with yeah. me it is a, it is it, this is definitely a paradigm shift it's I am, definitely i am just uh, i am just i am on an anti embedded graphics kick again. I'm back on it. <laughs> okay. And so I've been curious, I don't know, do, do, does Razer make a super thin laptop with dedicated GPU? They do, but the problem is, and this is this is what I come down to, is yes, they do. And 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 Popey got, uh, you know, the new T-series ThinkPad. But the problem with those computers are, Popey has screen flickering issues. And who knows, God only knows how well the Razer is going to run. Yeah, or if the trackpad will work or... That really so, is the issue, yeah. And and again, we've also talked about some of the value of buying local. But uh, I just I, I look at that and I go, I like I love that uh, Entraware Apollo. It's like a great size for me. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. two cores and in integrated graphics, like means I can't use it for most of my work. I really really like that laptop, but it ends up being my like it basically became a personal machine that I I really enjoy using. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it comes time to maybe run OBS or run Lightworks. Yeah, it's not going to be a pr and that was in really if you think about it that was a lot of the consideration of of what went into this is that I can't do fundamental things that I need to be able to do on the road with integrated graphics. I can't edit video, I can't do OBS. I mean I can yeah. but it sucks. Yeah. So how many so, drives do you think at the end you'll have it loaded up with? 3. I think I'll have the M I think I'll I'll, I'll leave the M.2. I'll probably put an additional M.2 for home directory and and, so, and like you've said three different times and I think I don't know if if anyone glosses over it you it cannot be emphasized enough that when you're doing video editing to have to read from one drive and render out to another drive vastly improves your the the your ability to actually and it, the, the instant seek times too if you have if you have the on two separate drives is amazing mm -hmm. so i'll probably have one large one terabyte uh 850 samsung 850 pro and then two 500 gig uh, m.2s nice well uh i'm curious to see how it goes for as you stick with it that's the nice thing other the other nice thing about uh this just being something that we wanted to do and not it being a review that was like sent to us is you're going to run it for a while now and we can follow up like i got these yeah. two bonobos i've been running for years now they give me years of experience with them and i think a lot of cases these kinds of products are more interesting six months after you own it a year after you oh, own yeah. it especially if it's the only machine you can afford to buy you really need to know how long it lasts and how the well fact it works that the default background and the um and the bar along the side hasn't been heavily customized tells you how much time I've had to play, you know, truly dig in and play with it this week. But uh, it's enough to know that it is definitely, it definitely fills a purpose. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And last but not least, don't forget, if you pick one up, tell them the show sent you. Just that way we do get credit for it. But this is really something that, you know, did you tell them that last sent you when you bought that? Did you, I tell you what? You didn't tell them that the show sent you when you bought that laptop, did you? Oh my gosh! What are you talking? You about? You didn't say last sent sent you when you bought the laptop from System Seventy Six. Focus, Noah. Sure, focus. Of course I did. You of did. Okay, I did. good. Okay, good. Because I thought. For well, I mean, I okay, fine. I used it. I mean, okay. To be fair about it, I used special channels. I didn't. Uh, oh, I didn't really? Special did. channels, Noah. Oh, yeah, the yeah, truth comes just, out. What kind of special channels? Did you get a special I discount? Emma Noah and said, "This is the laptop I want, and oh. this is the things I want. And can you bring it to Linux West Northwest?" And she said no. And I said, "Well, make sure you steal the uh, the credit for it. You know, as a sales rep or whatever." Yeah. So but, Emma got credit, not Lass. 
Well, that's cool. That works. No, for me. no. Emma get, dude. She, Emma gets credit for all the things you. that you saw on last. Come on, man. I'm just teasing you. So, I'm just teasing you. I'm still sore no, about this mustache. But, I'm but still actually, sore. No, but if, since you want to make fun of things that I forgot about, I oh no, I didn't. Okay, never mind. Because okay. we haven't done this segment yet. All right. Well, there you go. There you go. All right. So that's uh, Noah's look at the Oryx Pro. I'm super jealous. And uh, if System76 ever accepts Bitcoin, I might have one too. Although now that you've done the review, I can't really do my review. But I could still drool all over it. Yeah, you'll have you'll have a different experience than I will. That's true. I will. I think you and I, you and I, about as different as distributions. You and I have very different interests yeah. in laptops. Yeah. Well, first right? of all, this I is would, much more up your wheelhouse than mine. I would be putting Arch on that bad mama jam in about five minutes. I don't even know if I'd finish the boot, the boot up sequence. I probably would just to check it out, just so that way I could be that review guy. But then after that. Whoosh, Nuke and pave, Noah. Nuke and pave. And that's really the great thing is I'm pretty sure it works just fine. All right, so that's the look at the Oryx Pro from System76. Now it's time for the feedback. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. We do have some great feedback and a little bit of a heads up. But before we get out of here, I want to mention our feedback sponsor, segment sponsor. And that's the great folks over at System76. Speaking of them, they've been supporting our show for a while. And we just got done talking about laptops, which they have small ones too. Like Noah ranted about how much he loves 13-inch laptops. They've got those. they got small laptops. They're pretty small, pretty thin, pretty light, pretty nice. But they also have great desktops. Go check him out at system76.com and let him know .com and let him know the Linux Action Show sent you. Yes. Did you know, Chris? Actually, if they go over to system76.com, thanks to a short little meeting and request on behalf of Jupiter Broadcasting, if you mention, if you go and find Emma and tell her that Noah switched me to Linux, then <laughs> the, uh, she will give you something special. <laughs> I can't tell you what it is. But when you buy, I kind of made that last part up a little bit, but it, but but do it, do it. Go go call her and tell her that Noah switched me to Linux, and so now I want to buy a system seventy six. And if you do that, something special will come in the mail. Is she expecting this? Perhaps. No, no. She was. She's expecting them to ask for something. I kind of threw in that whole little Noah switched me to Linux. Okay, part, all right. Well, be gentle, be nice, and you're probably up your, your up your chances. Uh, all yeah. right. So before we run, uh, I wanted to mention that uh, Southeast Linux Fest 2016 is ramping up. The schedule's been released, registration is open, and the rooms are nearly gone if you want to get one down there, Noah. So uh, we have a link in the show notes if you're going to make it to self, which I know Noah and some of the crew's going to be down there. For sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, probably what will be great was is, uh, again, it'll be another, it'll be a trial by fire. You know, the the thing is, I was getting a little disappointed uh, during Linux Fest Northwest, uh, the whole uh, OBS problems that we were having with the the broadcast rig. And it was, uh, of all people, it was Rakai that he kind of, he kind of bummed me. He's like, listen, this is how we make OBS better. This is how we make broadcasting on Linux better is somebody goes out there and actually does it. And then we identify the problems and then we work on them. And if you don't do it, then then if we don't have these problems, you don't have these experiences, we can't make the software better for everyone. So Hallelujah, uh, I know, right? And coming from him, that's pretty good. So the uh, but so this will be another test of that. Is we will undoubtedly have we'll have some sort of on-site location presence, um, and it will undoubtedly be powered by some sort of Linux box that'll be running some sort of broadcasting. Yeah, stuff. I, I want to just take a second here, and what Noah is uh, alluding to because he's so distracted, he can't form his single thought. Noah is that uh, there has been literally a paradigm shift in what Linux is capable of, of production-wise. We are now legitimately doing things uh, under Linux that two years ago I told you you needed a Mac for and it had to be proprietary software. I know it's esoteric because it doesn't really appeal to all of you, um, what to do with a a broadcasting and live streaming and camera inputs and switching and encoding. Mm -hmm. 
But I still want to talk about it with you guys because uh, it really is a huge deal, and it's it's not quite there yet in terms of competitiveness, but it's about to enter a competitive market that is dominated by products that start at a thousand dollars and go up from there. And it's all mm-hmm. free software, and it's it's really sort of re-enabled us to use Linux at the core of our production process. And so I mm-hmm. want to talk about that with you guys. I think we might cover that in next week's episode. If you're interested, leave us a comment and let us know. If you have any questions, too, we might be able to take live calls. Uh, so you could join us next week and ask your questions directly to us if you have any production questions. We might do that. I don't know if it's too navel-gazing, so I I don't want to overcover that kind of stuff. But at the same time, mm-hmm. we're pretty excited about it because new software, new hardware is in place, new servers... It's a pretty cool setup, and it's all using Linux and open source. And I think it's a bit of a game changer. And I would not be surprised to see a bunch of other podcast networks sort of replicate this setup yeah. down the road. Because it's making something accessible that was extremely, extremely hard to get into in the past. So let us know in the comments if you guys would be interested in that. All right, Mr. Noah, do you want to take uh, this? Uh, this well, Actually, I'll take it because... Uh, I think the next email is kind of uh, complimentary, and that's hard for me to read. So instead, I will read this one uh, sent in by Obi-Wan Linux fan. It's using Red Hat Enterprise Linux 7.2 as your everyday Linux box. And it's not just any old post. It's a whole how-to, guys. Uh, he talks about why it's a great distro for stability and security. And the applications that he needs, it works for his workflow, and he thinks he's really on to something here. He talks about setting up all the things you might need, like media clients and codecs and VPNs and web browsers, managing SE Linux responsibly, uh, all that kind of stuff. So it looks like a serious, seriously nice post. Any thoughts, Noah, before we get to the next one? Yeah, for sure. So I this is something I fantasized about doing for a long, long time. I think that running Red Hat as the as your desktop operating system would be really cool simply because you're supporting and running on a supported platform of the one of the largest, if not the largest, open source company companies. But I've never really had success in doing that. And like simple things like getting VLC installed took like hours that I, I eventually just bailed and went back to Fedora. Yeah. Um yeah. But I, that, so this guy has a pretty good guide. I think that's pretty neat. I agree. And also in the age of Docker, it makes some of these things even more feasible. Uh, all right, Noah, do you want to take the next email, please? James James B. right in, and he, he we've actually we've read emails from yeah, him James, before. Yeah. He writes in about his about his Linux career. He says, I wrote in about six months ago to thank you for inspiring me to get into Linux professionally. As I just got into my first Linux job, well, I'm six months in and things are going great. I scored eight out of nine on my first review and I've been assigned to work directly with our clients rather than on internal projects. On top of that, I've been getting job offers and pestered by my recruiters <laughs> nearly every week since officially earning the title of Linux system administrator. Compared to my last job, that's a nice problem to have. Not a day goes by that I don't use some bit of knowledge that I learned from the Linux Action Show or Linux Unplugged. I'm always surprised by how awesome. much other more experienced IT professionals don't know about the latest trends in technology in Linux. Your show helps me to give the real edge at work, and they're so fun to listen to. I finally signed up for Patreon to do my part to support Hey-o. the important work that you're doing, and I encourage everyone to do the same. By supporting Chris and Noah and what they do, you're not just helping an entertaining show, you're help funding some of the best journalism in the Linux world. You're helping to change people's lives for the better. Keep up the great work. Sincerely, James B. And so- That's really nice, James. Thank you. It is, and it's it, and it's it's interesting because <clears throat> a lot of the things I work in the Linux world, right? And I am not aware of some of this stuff until I specifically go to look for it to cover in the show. Because after you get through all of the 
normal stuff that that everyone's aware of, then you have to start digging into these really, really esoteric, you know, software applications and, and ideas. And that's where you find some of the greatest stuff is actually buried in there. They just don't have a lot of attention. Yeah. And so, and I have done the same thing, even working in that field, I don't find some of the stuff until I sit down to do the show. And I'm like, how have I not been aware of this? this it's our job. Great. It's our job. No, it's our job. All right. Our next one comes in from Sean White. He's doing a, a callback that uh, I was like, I, oh yeah, when I saw this one, you guys might think of this one too. He says, hey guys. Once I heard, I think, you guys talking about some people that started a WISP, a wireless ISP, with our beloved OS, of course, but also they were putting radios in trees. If this makes any sense, could you please help me remember who they are? I want to do the same and would like to contact them if possible. Now, Noah, I I was going to say, couldn't you just check our Runs Linux list? Well, the reason I threw this, yeah, he could, but and the reason I threw this in the feedback was I was hoping that uh, perhaps this would spur a discussion or perhaps throw into motion a plan to visit set. Oh yeah, really? Oh, you're. Oh, that's that's great. We I, talked about doing that. We, we talked about yes. doing that back in January, and mm-hmm. then we ended up doing scale instead. We got but so busy. It'd be yeah, really cool to get back and do that. I think. I would love that. So yeah, they're here in the Pacific Northwest, and I thought the thing that'd be cool is we take Lady Jupes over there, get on there, do an interview with them about how they use Linux for their wireless ISP and stream the show using that Wisp using Linux. I yeah. would love to try that. So we should talk about that. Uh, and Sean, if you end up contacting them, maybe connect us. Because <laughs> yeah. we will probably forget about that once we walk off here, but uh, we both are really interested in doing that. If you guys want to send us an email, go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact, and then choose Linux Action Show from the dropdown. You can give us news stories, uh, cool open source projects to check out, desktop app picks, runs Linux, or just conversations and feedback at linuxactionshow.reddit.com. One of the best subreddits out there for Linux content. You guys are awesome. And your votes and your comments... Well, they help make a difference, and they help uh, shape the news and the direction of our show. Noah, where should people find you on the uh, Twitters? Any Twitters, hints? at Colonel Linux. I, I feel like I should be tweeting more. You know, I, I find so so many fun, cool things, but there's actually, I'll tell you what, I'll give you, I'll give you a little heads up. This might become a Runs Linux, too, but there is a particular client that has a, a certain substandard operating system that they're running, and I just got, I sat down with the, the general manager last week and, and gave him my spiel, and unsurprisingly, he acknowledged that my way is superior. So so we are going to wipe their inferior operating system and be installing Linux and, and swapping a business over and uh it it's kind of uh it's kind of cool because it's it's there's a brand name behind it and stuff so it'll ah. be kind of neat but that will for sure make the twitter sphere at kernel linux and of course nice. you've changed yours to at chris LAS. I, I did a change up a little while ago so you might have to refollow me i'm at chris las because i restarted um and i tweet from time to time in bursts when i'm doing something special but i don't i don't you're better at it than I am because, like, uh, I, I, well, you just have great pictures from time to time. I do strategically tweet, like, when something's going on, I'll tweet, but otherwise, I kind of stay quiet and I mostly just reply as much as yeah. I can because uh, I don't want to fill up people's feeds and stuff. But you know what? The fact that you're switching a business over to Linux and you're going to make a video about it kind of makes me feel better about this year's stash. Uh, for those of you <laughs> listening, I'd say it's like 30% grown back right now. You can yeah. still see the skin underneath. I'm hoping by next week it'll actually look like a full stash. But the biggest reaction was definitely from the kids, which I thought about a little did, bit. Did they did they say you look like a who? Uh, no, a lot of them said, damn it, Noah. They actually... Oh, uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, they said it looked stupid, and they didn't like it. Oh, okay. uh, but the youngest took to it after a while. Uh, and then, of course, my lady's like, she's all in for a little while, and then she's like, oh, I don't like it. And then she's all in again. So it's been... With the family, the reaction was was pretty interesting. And then, of course, the beard. Like, he, he doesn't see me sometimes for like a day, and then we see each other in the hallway, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. 
That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's so. how I felt when you logged on this morning. I'm like, yeah, oh. yeah, you did, you did. And <laughs> and so the family, the kids' reaction. You know, I remember when my dad shaved. My dad went from yeah. having a full beard all the time to just shaving every day. Uh-huh. He was a different person. Like it took a yeah. couple of days for me to adjust to that, and I kind of forgotten about that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm growing it back as fast as I can. I'm giving. I'm massaging my lip. No, I'm, I'm not. But. I was going to say, it's not like you have a whole lot of control. I'm playing with it. No, that's okay. All right, well, that brings us to the end of this week. That definitely brings us to the end of this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. If you'd like to join us live, go over to jblive.tv. We do this at noon Pacific. Just go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted to your local time zone. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you right back here next week. Uh, Do you have any inkling to try it? Skype yeah, which, Sure, yeah. Do you, uh, I don't know how you set it up. Let me see. Because uh, I didn't bother. Maybe I should, yeah, maybe before I do that, maybe I should... You know. So you just need lib app indicator. Oh, what version of Ubuntu is your rig on? 14.04. Does it only work on 16? Oh, I don't know. Well, no. actually, probably. You just still probably need to install lib app indicator. Because uh, here, well... I just think it'd be really kind of balls if, uh, or like in a, in a good way, not a bad way. I think it'd be baller, I should say, if we said, yeah, we should try it. We should try it in the next segment. We're trying it. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. Let me, uh, you know, and here's the other thing that occurs to me. Does LibAppIndicator, indicator, is it even really necessary? Probably for not. Other than the tray? Probably not. If you just wanted the tray icon. So <clears throat> it looks like you'll have to have Git installed. And then you could just copy and paste right into your command line. As we all know, it's a great, that's no problem. No big deal. So it's just going to be a git checkout, which is copy and paste, and then you're going to cd into the directory that git pulls down, and then it's a sudo make install, and then I think you just run the binary. Okay, I'll go try it. All right, cool, nice. (laughs) Well, because if it works better, that'd be great, because you're still a little laggy. Now, I'm going to call you from the desktop version, I think, just to see that, if that works, but yeah. All right, good luck. And uh, we'll just stay here. We'll entertain ourselves, right, chat room? Okay, we will entertain ourselves. I hope this works. We will see. How you doing, oh, buddy? Good. I'm glad you found the time to eat. Well, I had plenty. Yeah, I did have some time. How you doing? How you doing? Good, 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 good. I'm sorry this is about you. It's so hard to install software on. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. If they would have just had a deb, I could have downloaded it. I wonder why they don't. I don't know. Maybe because reasons. It's a pain. Well, that's too bad. We were going to try the Skype web, but uh, 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 turns out when you run Ubuntu 14.04 this long, uh, it's hard to install software. What about if the chat room wants to try it and let us know? Uh, so if you're on Ubuntu 14.04 and want to go get go Google search ghetto Skype, you got all you really have to do is you do a git clone down to your machine, you go in there, you do a make install, and you run it. Bob's your uncle. Problem is for Noah, all that stuff goes fine, it just doesn't launch. Could be missing a dependency. It could be once you have a dependency installed, it launches fine. Yeah, it, it actually, so there's a number of things. I had the ND, ND something or other uh, needed for um, for the Node.js thing to run or whatever. I had to install a couple different things to get uh, installed just fine then, but it, it mm. doesn't run. So it could be some of that stuff's ancient too. <sighs> Maybe I should just run Arch. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, you know, I, I I joke about it in the past, but I'm I'm seriously considering. Yes, I am. I don't know. This is sixteen oh four has been rough I've, on you, man. I just 
I don't remember having this much trouble with my computer since back when I used Windows. Yeah. That's really how bad it is. It's really bad. Like nothing works. Nothing works. This morning, I think I sent you a, a, a small, short little video, but I couldn't even get uh, uh, my IRC client to load. Like there's like this weird drawn window, and it doesn't it doesn't move. Uh, here's what I say. I think, Tell me what you I, say. I don't think this can be stated enough, and you don't know it until you've done it. And this is sort of the disadvantage we have. Uh, it is it a totally it is it is so much more genuine when you say you totally recommend it when you paid. For it with your own money, yeah. because when you get a review unit, unless you're experienced at doing this, it is impossible for the fact that the value of this thing is high and you got it for free. That that influences your thinking just a little bit. And what I mean sure. is, like, if you say had an issue updating the BIOS, like you're doing a BIOS update as part of the review and it just didn't work right. Mm -hmm. If you spent nearly $2,000 and this goddamn thing won't update the BIOS, that is in that is unacceptable. I, I will not. But if you got it for free, it's like, oh, well, I mean, I guess I have the time to kind of tinker with this because I was kind of looking just to see if it would work or not. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a totally right. different mentality reviewing hardware when you've paid you're, for it with your own hard-earned money versus got something for free. And You're it, absolutely right. It... It the the thing we have to do is I very carefully consider what hardware I'm willing to accept for review because I don't want to accidentally walk that uh, over or cross that line and when I yeah. do get hardware sent to me it, like it takes a while like of thinking like I got to remember like if I had bought this how would I feel about this like yeah I that is a process that I've trained myself to go through and I think you unless you've ever had to review hardware like this and been sent mm -hmm. free hardware that's really valuable like a Rift or or a laptop you don't understand how it can sort of just alter your perspective because it's not intentional it's just your perspective has been shifted and so when you say you recommend it and you spent money on it that has all that carries a lot of weight in my book well yeah that's what i was gonna say if you get to the end of a review unit and you say i think that you should buy this if if you can honestly look in the camera and say that honestly with integrity then you should be opening up your wallet and buying one the next time you need a computer right like this was one of those computers that if they had sent a review unit i you, and you've been with me when this has happened because i'm sort of an impulse buyer if system 76 had sold was offering the orcs for sale while we were there yeah. i probably would have left with it yeah you know like i just and it, i'm i'm not saying that to be you know uh, you know obtuse or anything it just but when i see something i like yeah i just i'll just buy it, it it's just that it's that simple to me so